Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I Got Ask podcast. My name is Daryl Oliveira. I am the host of this program. Uh, if you're new here, this is a show where I speak to basically anyone uh, that's willing to talk to me about the cool things that they're doing. If I think they're doing something awesome, I reach out to them. And if they're a friend, they usually say yes. And if they're not a friend, <laughs> I have a hard time getting people to come on. But uh, nonetheless, um, I enjoy doing it. So if you're new to the show, welcome. I really appreciate you checking it out, and I hope you like what you hear. Um, if you're a returning uh, listener, thank you so much for the love and support. I really appreciate it. Um, I often get comments from um, from people about uh, certain episodes they've heard that they've enjoyed, and I uh, love hearing that. So uh, if you like what you hear, uh, reach out to me. Um, you can do it via in- the Instagram page, the Facebook page. Um, it's all at, at I Got Ask Podcast. Um, you can also reach me via email at igapodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you are listening to this and you would like to be a guest, uh, reach out to me. Um, and if it's, uh, if it's something that we can make happen, I would, uh, likely love to have you on. If you're doing something cool and, and we can bring something entertaining to the listeners, uh, let's do it. Reach out. Uh, today's episode is episode number 12 and it is Brad Kasserin of the excellent band, one of my favorite bands, Somehow Hollow, and formerly of the incredibly influential hardcore band, Grade. Um, Brad has been on the show before. He was on episode, I think it was episode two. Uh, him and his brother Mike, who is also uh, the frontman for Somehow Hollow, were on, discussed a bunch of great stories, uh, told me a bunch about touring and being on their label. And uh, this time around, Brad, it was just Brad solo, and um, and uh, which was awesome. Brad is has a wealth of uh, of knowledge and stories surrounding the punk rock community, not only in Southern Ontario but um, kind of worldwide. Really, being having been in grade and having toured around and and toured with a bunch of of big uh, big name acts. And uh, so love having him on. Um, I want to do it again real soon with him, to be honest with you, because just love listening to him talk and hearing all those stories. And and it just brings a smile to my face. I just giggle the whole time. Uh, Brad loves talking and I love listening to him talk. So I just point him in a direction and let him run and and then just giggle and smile the whole way through. And I hope you do the same uh, listening to this episode. So I'm not going to kill too much more time on this intro. I know you guys are anxious to hear uh, Brad. and so let's get right to it. I will roll the intro music. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. And stick around because we've got some great guests coming up uh, in the later part of March and April. So teaser there. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> All right, Brad. Thanks for being here, man. Yo. Again. Yeah. Great. This Always is, nice talking to you. This is a part two, you know, yeah, sort of. Like, sure. I know the part one was like three years ago and then the podcast kind of fell off the fucking yeah. radar, but, <laughs> but I'm back. I'm, yeah, it's delayed. Right I'm, on, I'm, man. I'm, it's, I'm glad you are. Yeah. yeah thank you, man. You appreciate it. Appreciate it. And I'm, I'm so happy when anyone like you decides to come on my little program because like, you got like this oh wealth of of experience and knowledge when it comes to this, uh, this music industry around here. So I, I appreciate I love, it. I love talking. Yeah. Awesome, man. I love having you. It's awesome. <laughs> How have you been during the pandemic, man? Well, it's been uh, challenging, to say the least. Um, you know, it's 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 opened up other opportunities and doors. But uh, for me personally, it's been uh, like the very beginning of it's been a real knock because, uh, as you may know, I uh, was making a pretty good living as a side guitar player right yep. in, a, yep. in a, my 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 groups and i was doing three gigs a week still so i was pulling in we were pulling in over 100 gigs a year yeah so we had over like 80 
like actual confirmed contracts uh, cancel, like wow. wiped out or, or postponed till this year. But then those are kind of up in the air too, right? Yeah. So it's been a bit of a bummer. And then my music school had to obviously shut its doors and I had to go to Zoom. I had, everybody had to go on Zoom. And so now we're kind of, we've been, and we've been back and forth a few times. So my, I'm open again. Um, and then, uh, uh, so that's been a kind of bummer. But um, in what I've done is uh, Mike, you know, uh, my brother, yeah. um, he's been doing logistics. Like we had a trucking company when we were like probably, um, uh, it would be like the nine, like for me, it was like 96, 97, yep. right before I uh, moved to Burlington. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, Mike's been continued on. He continued on into that business for like the last 17 years. Right. So we finally, uh, it, it was always our destiny to get together and, and form a company. So we actually have uh, where we've been incorporated our trucking company this year. Oh, nice. So that, that, that yeah, the pandemic kind of was like kind of one of those eye opening, like, okay, like, if you can't rely on, I can't rely on music. And, and, uh, so it was like, okay, it was always going to happen, but you know, you're all, you know, I was always putting it off because, you know, yeah. I was working so much and, yeah. and, and life was comfortable, but mm. so that's, so that's been the main, and that's why I've been doing all these day, you know, calls and stuff like that. And, yeah. um, so, and still teaching at night because, uh, we're, we're getting that going sure, off the ground. Sure. So that's taking up a lot of time. <laughs> that's wild, man. That's, that's awesome. Congratulations cool. on that. You guys are always yeah, up to it's, something. It's, you, <laughs> I know, you know what? Uh, yeah, we. Uh, it's. Uh, but Mike, and to Mike's credit, Mike's been like that's what he's been pounding for seventeen years. Yeah. He's been doing it, and he's very successful at it. Yeah. So uh, it was just a moment of time, moment before he wanted to start his own company, and then we we tend to work together in those type in these types of situations. We work together really well. Like, yeah. You know, both both of our our personalities tend to right to yield you know bigger things than you know on our own so it, it's just a good match for the two of us oh yeah absolutely does he do you think he'd mind us saying where he is right now uh yeah no probably not <laughs> <laughs> he, he screwed off at the start of the pandemic well at the start of the pandemic kind of in the yeah, middle of well, pandemic. no it was in the middle of it yeah. but uh, i you know in in, in, all, in all honesty i know like for mike he's in mexico right now but he, uh, this was always the, in the plans for him, and it was delayed, and then he had an opportunity to go. So right. it wasn't, it wasn't much, it's so much of a like sneak out and get out. It was, you know, this is always something that he was yeah. working towards, and that led to this business as well because he was the the idea was that he was going to, he has to go on a a uh, no compete clause for a year. So it was like while he's waiting that out, he would go down there and then. We'd sure. be putting the pieces together, you know, and with, as we all know, this, the Zoom and all this yeah. crap, like the world shrinks, right? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. So it wasn't, it's not a big deal. And a lot of the times with it, with how we, we op, how it's operated, it's crazy. Cause when I did this, like was doing this like 20 years ago, it was all phone calls, facts, you know what I mean? Like you had to like, but now it's the technology. It's just like, everybody's got the phones and yeah email and everything is coming to you you know i could be out anywhere and i'm getting all my information i need yeah. so yeah of course. you know it, it's it, it's a different world so you you can fully operate remotely oh yeah totally you know? it's it's like i was just talking to i talked to a guy named davy knight from a band called dead cemetery on on the last episode yep. of the show and he was uh you know he's telling me he's in all these He's in all these bands that he doesn't even see the members, right? Winning streak are all over the state. They're all spread out, and they have, like two of the or three of the members haven't even met each other in person ever. Is it's wild, man. One hundred percent. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah, and it, and it is feasible. Like it's like before it would be that would be kind of like cheesy, kind of. Yeah. You know, the results would be fairly uh, half-assed. And, right. But nowadays, it's like what what difference does it make whether you're in the room together or not? If you're if you're working if you're collaborating in songwriting, you yeah. know. Yeah, especially for you stuff don't, like you don't making be music. In the room. Yeah, for making music, you can be anywhere in the world now. It's insane. Oh my god. Yeah, it's crazy. Like half the stuff that I was doing even before this was all remote. It was all like, you mm-hmm. know, I, I'd be wor- I'd work on the stuff at, at the house and then I would send it. Very rarely did I have to actually then go in and do it for for real. Yeah. Like what I could do here was was just as good as it would have been done. Right. Like in their studio yeah, of course. or, you know, of course. where they're recording. So it makes yeah. no difference. Nowadays with all this software and stuff, like it's it's insane what you can do, you know? Even, yeah, and that even- was, I mean... That, sorry, that was even like three years ago. Like yeah. three years ago, we yeah. were we were we were operating on that kind of that. So yeah, you know, you and I were supposed to see a bunch of uh, shows together. I think this year that all got canceled due to this friggin' uh-huh. pandemic too, which really pissed me off. Yeah, which which to, ones were you? Well, I, I think Mike had bought us all tickets to uh, Lagwagon and Less Than Jake. I think we're playing a show, and Alkaline Trail uh-huh. were coming through with Bad Religion, which would have been a kick-ass show too. And then you know, and then oh, just, man. everything just started getting canceled. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay. This is brutal. <laughs> I can't see it man. totally is, man. <laughs> now I get. I I was thinking about this the other day. I actually get a pretty cool thing to say. It was like someone said to me, "What was the last band that you seen before the shutdown?" And it was the and, and and it's like a dream. It was the Misfits. Oh wow! I I went to the Misfits show in uh, in Philly. That's a hell of a last one to go to. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you're so, gonna see one last show I, before I the get, pandemic. If it was over, I know it'd be like it's almost like the full circle, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. The mis- you started the Misfits when you were a kid, and then the last band I got to see was the Misfits. Yeah, is that and how you uh, got into punk? Like, wh- at what age, like, where did you sort of discover punk music? And like, were you like into metal first? I, I know you're into oh, yeah. like the older metal bands, but did you discover yeah. metal first? Yeah, I, it was. Uh, I actually was just telling someone else's story the other day. It's it's a pretty simple story. It was. Um, I had a cousin that uh, was really into you know like what would have been popular metal during that time period. So um, my very first album I ever got, I was 10. I got Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet. And yeah. Um, yeah. And um, and I, I don't know, I guess I just loved it. And uh, I ended up in the hospital for uh, appendicitis. So oh, I had wow. a, my appendix. And so my dad, I was 10 years old at the time. My dad was like, oh, let me go buy you. I had Walkman. You'd be in the hospital bed. So just by reading the liner notes to Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet with Cinderella was his, the band that, you know, yeah, he was yeah. managing it. So you look at Cinderella, okay, well, I want this one. So he bought me Cinderella's Night Song. This right. was my second record nice. I ever bought. But then right from there, it did a, a pretty big twist. I was in uh, St. Catharines. My my family had friends out there, and they were doing like a – it was like exactly what you'd imagine in one of those movies. It was a road hockey game with – the guy with the, you know, the leather jacket and the one guy that didn't really play, but was out there. And he had this big boom box on the side of the road and had a uh, um, double cassette deck. And so he was listening to this music where I was just like, just standing beside the speaker. It just, I couldn't believe what I was listening to. And so twice in this game, did he ask me to flip these tapes, you know, as the little kid up the side and said, yeah. Hey bud, flip the tape. So I, you know, you hit the eject button, I pulled out the tape and it was Iron Maiden somewhere in time. And uh, so, you know, mental note, flip the tape. And then uh, later on during the game, he had me, you know, press play on the other deck and flip it. And it was uh, Celtic Frost to Megatherian. And so 
when I got back to, you know, home and was able to get another tape, you know, it was like one of those things you get a tape every couple of weeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, at A Records and Tapes in Cambridge, Ontario. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, at the, at the mall that I guess is now called the Cambridge, the Cambridge Center. Center. Yeah, it used yeah, to be John Galt, probably, at that John time. John Galt Mall, man, yeah. <laughs> so it was, you'd come in the back door there by the grocery store, and A&A Records and Tapes was in there, and they'd always have the top, you know, 20 wall. And it, it, when I tell people, like, that I work with now, because I work with, like, a lot of people that are, like, 10 years younger than me, right? Yeah. So even tell them these stories, they say, what? I yeah. said, you'd go in the top 10 wall, and it would be, like, Iron Maiden would be number the third best selling record of that week. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, uh, you know, and so like looking at that wall was great because it wasn't like nowadays where it would just be all like music that you're not interested or. Yep. So anyway, summer in time was there. So I bought summer in time and that began like what is still my life's, uh, journey of Iron Maiden is still like yeah. easily my number one band. Yeah. Uh, and then was able to track down Celtic cross to Megatherian, which was, you know, on a small label called Bonsai Records, which was a Canadian importer of metal mm-hmm. records. Like they, they had all the metal blade stuff and, and all that stuff as the Canadian imprint. Mm-hmm. So if you bought Metallica's Kill 'em All in Canada, it was on Bonsai Records. Oh, okay. So they were like they were like an importer. He's just a, a Toronto guy and it's actually a kind of a, an interesting story, but he would he'd import all the big metal bands from the States that were on independent labels. And he was the distributor for Canada. So oh, if you wow. bought any of those records in Canada, Anthrax, Celtic Frost, uh, all that stuff was on Bonsai Records. Oh wow, that's weird. Yeah, so a pretty pretty cool little uh, side bit story. Yeah. So, but but that's those like those bands were like it. So from from uh, from Celtic Frost uh, to Iron Maiden, um, Anthrax, Megadeth. Uh, okay, but then the big one, Metallica. You yeah, know, I got course. Master of Puppets sure. uh, right around that time too, and. Uh, became a massive Metallica fan and yeah. uh, so just built up and then but then funny enough still really into like Motley Crue um one of my favorite bands back then too uh got Poison like I'm talking like I would split my yeah. time between the 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 real metal with the with you know what is considered a hair metal now yeah. but back then yeah. it was just it was just yeah, it was metal. metal music yeah. right mm-hmm and I still love that. And I, and I mean, to me, to, to, to this day, I still like love it. Like people, people often laugh at my infinity for white snake. Like I still think white snakes, but <laughs> like, well, gotta be one of my, my favorite bands too. Right. You know, and, say uh, what you will about those bands, but they, they did a thing that was great at the time. It was huge. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was for a reason. It was good music, catchy, you know, lots of energy. And you really had to be, yeah. And I love the, the fact that you really had to be like, the, like you really had to be something yeah you know like for those bands back then like you really had to be the best the cream yep. of the crop yeah right? absolutely like everybody was the best and that they never picked a, a guy for convenience yeah if a if a member got replaced in white snake it was like it was a big deal it, it was the best guy you yeah. could they could get at the time yeah. you know and yeah. uh, so I, I, I really appreciate that yeah um it started to get a little bad like you know what as it is anybody know what the 80s stuff was that they were signing everybody and anybody if you had long hair and the ballad and yeah and you got into stupid stuff like you know like you know no offense to the white lines yeah and, uh, all this stuff and it just started getting really watered down and then i guess for me i went to uh from there i was in uh i moved from cambridge mm-hmm. when i was 13 yep. to uh grand grand band yep and went to high school up there which was just like you know, as, as hick as you can imagine it, you know, it was like, it was like a complete 180. 
Like it was uh, awful, but you know, showed up to school the first day, grade nine with my Metallica shirt, everything I, you know, did. And, uh, um, got to see Metallica, uh, in 91 oh, wow. with like guns and roses and all that. Yeah. When I was like in oh, high wow. school, uh, That's early incredible. On. yeah, it was, I still have the ticket stub in there. It was like one of my first big shows I got yeah. to go to. So That's killer. got to see all my, that stuff at the, in the prime, but there was this kid in, uh, like, you know, great tag, you know, the weird art kid yeah. and, and he had, a. It's, it's actually hilarious because it was, you know, people wanted to be like this crusty. I did get into that stuff later, but yeah. uh, it was a, he had the Pennywise album, uh, the blue, you know, the blue yeah, one with yeah, the Pennywise yeah, yeah, yeah. logo. Probably. I think it had Broham and all yeah, that. Yeah. And it was the first time I heard, um, like it was, it was the first time that like that punk music was kind of like, it sounded as well recorded as some of the metal stuff. Yeah. Because to reiterate that point too, I was also, you know, into like uh, someone had give me like a forgot. He the same guy gave me a forgotten rebels album. Yeah, and so that was uh, so I was like Pennywise and forgot. It was all the same time I got it. Like then you got then it was like oh well the Misfits are like the beginning. So then you got a Misfits tape, and then from there it was the Ramones, yeah. um, and then and all that. So it was like uh, it, there was really no one like it was like one way or the other, right. you know. And I think I was. I was pretty influential then, so I liked it all, right? So, but, so uh, you got a bit of an education within like a short time there of all these different sort of styles of of punk too. Not just like you know, you didn't just get into the kind of the old school stuff first and move from there. No, nope, it was it all, all it was all yeah, all different quality levels, you know. And you yeah. and uh, I think um, that was probably a good thing for me because uh, I think that it's something that's lost nowadays, where a good song is a good song no matter if it's. Yeah been recorded on a ghetto blaster or if it was you know pr- producing a big studio like yeah. good stuff in big studios are great and punk stuff recorded on a ghetto blaster is uh yeah. is good as long as the song's good yeah so the misfits were a classic for that for me because they wrote like really good songs but sounded you know, not great nowadays but yeah. yeah some of the stuff didn't sound great right mm-hmm. and a lot of the oi stuff i was into too was the same thing it was like i used to get these Oi compilations. There was a record store in Cambridge too, um, and I can't remember. It was just right on, uh, right in Preston area on the main street. Okay, uh, yeah. You know where like uh, uh, the music store was yeah, and all that. Macaulay's uh, Music was down there. Macaulay's, right the yeah, 7-Eleven. Yeah, right beside the Seven Eleven. There was yep. a little record store that was up on the side okay. there, and uh, and you used to be able to get these Oi compilations there. So they'd be like vinyl record, like Oi. I forget what the the, the title was. Oi compilation one, two, okay. three, four, and they had and it was with all those British bands that were you know. And, and again, like the skinhead stuff. Like I said, it sounds bad when you say that word, but like that was their that was the the uh, the music style yeah, and the, style, the, the right? kind of work, working class kind of violent yeah um, yeah but um you know so it's so what i anyways long story short i don't listen to as, as much as that stuff anymore of course, um, yeah. as far as as far as the oi music goes yeah not, you know so, yeah well it's but, sort of, I, but that's that's the you all grow it a little bit right i mean like there's stuff that i listened to in high school that i you know can't go back and listen to now even even like sex pistols i used to really like the sex pistols and the ramones but when was the last time i threw a ramones album on like not not recently, you know, not within the last 10 years anyway. You know? It almost sounds yeah, funny, like you get Apple Music and you put on like Nevermind the Bullocks on there and then you're kind of listening to it and you're just yeah. like, oh my God, this is like, it's like, it's so familiar. You're just like, there's you been don't s- get any excitement out of it anymore. Yeah, exactly. There's been so much musical exposure you've had since then, right? Stuff that, that turns, your, yep. turns your crank way more than that old stuff. Even though that was great when we first started listening to punk and it was sort of like... Ramon's Sex Pistols were introduction to punk to me before I even knew what yeah. punk was. 
you know, but to, uh, for now, sure, to go back man. and listen to it, like I can appreciate it for what yeah. it is, but it's not something I'm going to drive down the road to, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. And I, I, I was saying this about the Ramones the other day too. I was just like, I seen the Ramones at Lulu's in Kitch- Kitchener. You did, eh? Yeah. That's I got incredible. to go see the Ramones. Yeah. And, wow. um, and, uh, again, if I had, you have the Ramones greatest hits of all their records, you could put like a 20 song yeah. Yeah. thing together, but, but putting some of the records on nowadays is yeah. Some of those somewhat, deep tracks on painful. those, yeah. Those deep tracks on some of those older albums. It's like, oof, like st- the stuff you hear on the radio and the stuff they made videos for. Yeah. But some of those deep tracks, like I have a big, uh, my high school girlfriend gave me a, a, uh, a Ramones, uh, like almost like a box set kind of thing with a yeah, bunch like of a, like, singles and stuff on it. And even some of the yeah. stuff in there, it's like, it's almost unlistenable and, and it all sounds it so similar, but, but the songs that are good stick out so much. Compared oh, to yeah, the songs and, and I said, yeah, that's why I was a fan of the Ramones. And like, like I said, the eighties, because yeah, I like, uh, I, I they, they made some, like some, 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 some weird choices to further their career. Yeah. But then those are the songs that kind of, to me, uh, are the cool stuff. Like where they look, they may have looked back and said, Oh, we are trying to, yeah. tap, you know, we are trying to be, uh, uh, radio get radio play, but yeah. then I was like, oh, I love that record. Like, I watched um, Rock and Roll High School with my daughter the oh, other day, yeah. and uh, so end of the century, it came back out, and I was just like, I think this record is one of my favorites because yeah. it was so weird, right? Like yeah. they hate, and then you, and then I, and then I got on a little bit of a kick, so I had to like look up some Johnny Ramone interviews and how much he hate they they hate the record, <laughs> you know, like everything about it yeah. sucks. And, but then he's so hilarious. I was watching this thing and he thinks everything they did sucks almost. Right. It's like funny. Everything he's like, <laughs> Oh, it's all terrible. That was sucked. Oh, that was bad. I think a lot of bands <laughs> do that though. When they look back, but eh. Hey, um, it's hard not to, I don't want to burn up too much time. Um, yeah, on, sure. You know, uh, or sorry, I, I kind of worded that wrong. I, it's not that I don't want to burn up, time i appreciate anything you're yeah, yeah. anything we talk For about sure. here. but no, i want to i want to get right into the album because i know you're, you're limited on time here uh the latest ep chasing daylight that somehow hollow put out um yeah first of all congratulations on that on that record man it sounds oh, amazing i know it's i know it's like yeah. a four song short thing but you guys did a bang yeah. job including all the thanks, recording man. it sounds phenomenal like yeah it's it is a good sounding record i had Absolutely. it on the, on the other day i don't do you have the what do you have, do you have i have the cd I have the CD, so well, I, I gotta get it. you. A, I gotta get you a record. I don't have a. I don't have a, a player. I'm not. Oh, a, I'm not a vinyl one. guy. I'm not either. But I will tell you if you uh, just as a side note, I know yeah. I'll probably ask you a few questions about it. But it was ma- like uh, mastered. We it was mastered twice. Like oh. it was ma- one mastered for CD and mastered for vinyl. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of bands will just take the one cut and they'll they'll cut it. Yeah. We cut we cut the the master uh specifically for vinyl oh okay and then and then a secondary master was made for compact disc oh that's cool maybe i will and, and, and digital so the vinyl right. is actually it sounds uh it's 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 it sounds uh <laughs> it's optimized for vinyl oh, wow. listening so it's well, got yeah so. i would definitely pick up a, a cheap player to hear that if that's the yeah. case <laughs> I, uh, it's it quite a fun. It's funny that you mentioned that though, because when I, when I first bought the CD, I bought it obviously through Bandcamp, which gave me access to listen to all the songs the whole way through right. Bandcamp. And I listened to it on Bandcamp for a couple of days before the CD arrived, before Mike mailed me the CD. And uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And then when I got the CD and, and put it in my car and drove to work that night, it like blew my mind. Like the sound was yeah. so much better on the CD than it was coming through like my phone and probably streaming yep. through the Bluetooth to the stereo doesn't help yeah. either. You know, shit like that. 
but uh, it's t- it's a it's a tough. I don't even care if you're doing something on Instagram or you're doing something on like that. It's tough to watch to see your work. Yeah. Get get uh, just kind of flatlined. Yeah. For like, uh, but then it's the necessary evil, right? Right. So how did that? Like, how write, are you? I can do it. How did that writing go for that record then? Because I know you had a little bit of a different process this time. Like you started off with the demos, if I remember correctly. Yeah. From I, yeah. I, I listened to you on uh, on Chris Swinney's podcast, who's going to be on this one, which I'm fucking pumped about. Oh, nice. In Chris April. is wicked. Yeah, come April when yeah. it's a little bit less busy, we're going to make it happen. We've been chatting back nice. and forth. And uh, good. So I heard. I listened to your episode there, and I know you talked a little bit about that. Um, but if I remember correctly, you you started with the demos first. Yeah, I was, um, I was, uh, I, I don't know why, but I guess I was just writing stuff that had that kind of sound or I was just in the room fooling around. And then what I did was, uh, I looped, you know, I was in my room, I have a drum set in there and speakers and everything. And I, I looped a couple riffs and then I played drums over top of it. And then I filmed it, um, you know, just on the iPhone. I sent it yep. to Mike just being like, Hey, check this out. This is cool. And Mike was just like, man, that is, that's great. We should, uh, you know, we should do a some hollow album or yeah. something like that. And so I just, uh, so I started working on these songs and then um, Dave uh, Featherstone, who plays guitar on the album mm-hmm. and vocals, mm-hmm. he, uh, he's, he worked, we, we work in the same studio. Okay. Uh, so he, so he has a, the, the, with the full setup there. And so I would, I said, Hey, can you, you know, do you want to help me uh, work on some of these or like, so I can at least like get them somewhat to a point. And then me and him just started writing, like songs and putting demos together and then mike came in um so it was like it was like the monday night hockey night you know you're like men's league hockey Mm -hmm. so it'd be like uh, mike would come in on monday it'd be the three of us and we'd bang around ideas Mm -hmm. and then mike would leave and then me and dave would get together a secondary night and actually record it so like mike would be there on mondays and we would just be like banging around ideas and and chatting but this is later in the process i already had two songs kind of already Mm -hmm. and then we just kind of like that's how it works so mike would leave and then me and dave would get to work because we're like like you know we're the we're really into the tech like yeah the 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 technical side of it so we we, and we work really fast together i find that if i if i work on music now and it's not quick i i tend to just kind of lose my interest yeah, pretty quickly. I'm the same way, dude. So, same exact thing. Yeah. So Dave's really good at like, just, we just be like, let's do this. Let's go really quick. I'll jam it. And like, we weren't worried about like, like it's gotta be perfect kind of thing. Like we're just kind of more like, let's just try and just rough it out. Vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Just get a vibe so for it real quick. And was, then, was Mike writing lyrics the whole way along? Like, was he coming in and hearing the tunes and kind of, or did he wait? Till no, so, yeah. So what happened was we got the songs, the first song down, which I believe was, um, uh, uh, oh God, was the first track on the album. Oh, uh, Aging uh, Sensation? Uh, no, that was, um, I got to almost have Ch- to find the record. Chasing Daylight was, well, I was uh, go one, one. Yeah. I got it right here. Hold on. <laughs> this is bad, man. I'm just like, I don't even know what the like first track life, is. Man. I have no I'm, idea. What I'm the first totally track like, is. all right. Everybody's got yeah, a reason. Yeah, everybody's got a reason. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, so with that song was the first one that we maybe had like a full completed version of it. Yeah. And, the, and Mike came in and we actually got out. It was funny. It was like uh, we got out paper and we were uh, and we were spitting like 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 lines. Like and he, Mike would come up with a line and then I'd come up with a line and Dave came up with a line. Right. 
and then back and forth until we had the vocals and then we tracked the vocals right there with it so we oh. wrote the vocals as the three of us okay but every song after that mike came in with the full set of lyrics okay gotcha. so it was just a, yeah so he was i guess it just it was just enough from the spark uh some um his his yeah, own like creative. kind of like i got this yeah right. it was like because at first he was like i don't really have anything i don't really know and we right. kind of uh came up with a theme right away too we were just were like like subjects we wanted to avoid yeah and, yeah and just like we wanted to be, make this a little bit more like you know like as o- we're older right so we yeah. wanted to make it a little more mature sounding and so the so i think when we started writing the vocals for that first song that was probably like our mindset was just like we got to avoid certain cliches and right you know and uh the record and, and, definitely and that might it definitely has that feel you know what i mean it definitely has a cohesive feel to it when you listen to it it sounds like the songs all belong together you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's probably just because we were doing that. And the and the really cool thing I try to totally recommend when people write music nowadays is just to like take it away. Like you like the problem is is yeah, you want to work fast, but you gotta also you gotta walk away from it too, yeah. you know? Like you gotta be able to because when you walk away from it, you start thinking about, you know, like oh different variations. And that was the other thing too, is that when we recorded some of the vocals on some of the first tracks, and then a week later we were like, I hate that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like, I don't like that anymore. So let's yeah. take it off. Or like, you know, you, you got, you get a chance to kind of go for a walk with it, listening to the yeah. demos yeah. and just kind of being like, Hey, I got this cool idea. And there was one part in the, um, in the, um, uh, agent sensation, which is the, the, it's like the reverse callback in the chorus, you know, the, 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 the backup vocal starts before the main vocal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was like a, that was a total idea that just came like at, on a walk one day for me. I was just yeah. listening to it. I was like, and Mike had the chorus. He was singing the chorus, but I was like, okay, I'm trying to think of the backup vocals to it. But then I was like, what happens if the backup vocals came awkwardly before the main vocal? Yeah. And even when I was, when we were cracking it for real with Siegfried, he was just like, this part is really weird. <laughs> and I was like, I know, man. So but, it sounds, to, like, but it sounds cool. Figured out. Yeah, he had to figure out, like, there was a couple parts that were, like, we were did the demo that weren't yeah. kind of right, technically. So he kind of, like, ironed those out for us. Because yeah. he was like, this is, like, a very awkward, like, <laughs> it doesn't sound like, I, you know, and I was like, I know. That's just, that's totally... Well, Sounds it came out right. fantastic. <laughs> Mike, Mike actually sent me uh, Aging Sensation like well before you guys dropped anything, and which was you know I was honored as as he, he I mean as you know as well. I'm I'm a huge somehow Hall of Fan, obviously. So yeah. I, I was honored that Mike sent me that track. Let's do, and it wasn't mastered yet. And he and he said you know don't yeah. be too critical. It's not mastered, but it sounded amazing, man. And like even the part with the gang vocals, like I just. All that stuff, I was just like, man, I'm tickled with this. I fucking love this song. Well, yeah, it, it was it, it was a lot of fun. I and again, the um, the the pandemic yeah. kind of crushed the momentum of anything we would yeah. have. We had lots of stuff. Lots of stuff was in the pipeline for that for that release too. It. Like it's I hilarious. It. Yeah, we had some uh, good shows booked and uh, other things, and then we just that all fell apart. So what about? The, I mean, um... there was lots of stuff to do. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And and I mean, like I was looking forward to more shows, like. I think I saw three of those or two of those three that you guys played in yeah. January and uh, I was waiting for more and I knew the pan, I had a feeling that that pandemic was yeah, going to fuck everything up. Us. But yeah. the nice thing about it is everyone's going to be so starved for it when it's over. It's going to come back with a bang. I think. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, we hope so for I, sure. I wanted to ask you, speaking of live performances, I know you're using modelers now uh, pretty much almost <laughs> exclusively live when you play, when, when you were playing. Um, yeah. But what about for the record? Did you guys mic up live amps or did you 
Did you use the modelers? Yeah, it's that it's all Kemper. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I only say that because I forget what track it is, but there's it might be it's the I think it's the title the first track there. What what did you say? What's that one called again? Uh everybody's got everybody's a reason. Everybody's got a reason. Yeah. There there's a definite fifty one fifty sound in that track. I, I think yeah. that's, just, that's what I'm what? thinking. It it uh well I tracked if I gotta kinda remember this, but I tracked the whole album with one sound like i never swap sounds oh really chasing yeah chasing daylights in d standard tuning so i had to switch a guitar for that track right but the album is completely recorded on a kemper and it's a plexi a 50 watt 19 uh, 87 plexi wow yeah not what i was expecting (laughs) i totally i'm like that's gonna be i'm like that's gonna be a mic'd up 5150 like because that's it sounded so much like your old sound the 5150 with the marshall 412 that's what it sounded like and i don't i hate to be that guy but it's like and i'm because we're all gearheads here but it's like that's why you gotta think like 50 percent of it is like here in your hand yeah because you can play through all this stuff and funny story i'll tell you a quick real quick story um I did that one gig in December this year, right? As a, in Brantford. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used been using Mott. It's at this bar called Manny's and I've been using them. They have a sound man there, Chris. He's a great guy, but he's an old school sound man. So I've been using uh, modelers with him since the start. And he's, he was always at, you know, right at the beginning, <laughs> um, stupid stuff. And, and then eventually he got to the point where he's like, I'm starting to get, you know, he'd always, I was talking the brakes and say, I, I'm getting this stuff now. I understand it now. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up acquiring a dual rectifier, uh, like, like old school, just with a, a friend. It was like dirt cheap, nice. 412, um, you know, the old school rig. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to drag this down. And Chris is probably going to have a heart attack. because He's going to like, and I, so I brought it in. And I mean, the cap's 106 pounds, the head, oh, yeah. as you all know. Oh, yeah. And and, and not only then, I got to have, I had to have a few pedals and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And so I bring it in. I go, Chris, I got a surprise for you. He goes, what? And I wheel this 412 in and his face lights up, right? <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, this is going to be fun, right? So we finished the gig. And so we're packed, loading up. And I said, so, Chris, how was it? And he looked at me. And he goes, honestly, it sounded exactly the same <laughs> as the modeler. And I was like, ah, well, I won't be bringing that anymore. I'm uh I'm so, so like again I'm not against modelers I'm not against yeah. them I understand that they're awesome and people have yeah. a requirement or a need to to use them sometimes, but I just love I will, analog gear. I do you know? too. Yeah. I will tell you this I don't I'm not a guy that like is gonna get into like a, a uh, like a conversation telling yeah. you that that's the case. Right. 110. percent Um, I look at it like this. Uh. You know, I, I, a lot of the guys that come up that said, they say, oh, like I watched the Joe Bonamassa video and he's, you know, he's like, uh, guys, you don't need pedals. You need your volume knob. And you're like, yeah, I, I tell you, I've done that. I've turned an amp up to about 130 decibels. Yeah. It makes your, and the dynamic crazy. range is so huge of course, that you can turn down and do all these dynamics, but yeah. I don't live in a world where I can do 130 decibels. No. And I'm not trying to say that as, as, as some sort of like thing. I'm telling you right now, there is a lot, most of my situations I find myself when I'm actually making real money that I'm at like a hundred decibel, decibel yeah. reading limit where yeah. they're, they're, they're pegging me at a, like, so, and if you think a hundred decibels is loud, you are sadly mistaken. No. Go to 99 decibels. You'll hit that in your room. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're limited to what you can bring. 
Right. And then my problem is, is that I love like the Les Paul, you know, through the 412 thing, whether it's a 5150 or the Plexi yep. or, or, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't, even when I want, even if I go down to like a combo amp, I, I can't like, that's not, it's not there. You it's know what possible. I mean? I, if yeah. I, if yeah. I go down to a combo amp, I just end up becoming the schlubby guy, yeah. the blues guy that shows up at the bar. And that's all fine and dandy, but that's not who I am. Right. So so I'm at two different crossroads, right? They don't mix. Mm-hmm. The third reason is because um, the the archaicness of trying to adapt to a, an analog rig for me is hard. Um, as, as you know, and a lot of it is quick switching. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's clean to this and then i have a uh like i use a lot of different solo boost sounds and they're not like it's not even just volume it's like you know mid-range increases um you know and this and and everything's tapered and so the modeling stuff and that enables me to get those sounds um you know and even like if you're a les paul player the neck pickup is like one of the greatest um, oh yeah sounds but again really cranked up for like those those smooth lead sounds you can't do it like it's you know if, if it's low volume it's muddy you know right. and it's 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 you need to be at this peak level for it to start to spring out yeah totally and so it, i it is, a, it is a necessary evil but i have grown to like love it well <laughs> so, for a gigging musician to... i mean if it sounds that good if you know i mean if the, if the sound guy can't tell the difference and if you like the way it sounds and you can't really tell the difference well and there's obviously that you're, you've built a perfect case for it. You know what I mean? And like, well, it, it, and there's growing pains with it too. Don't forget. Like oh, sure. nobody will ever, no one will ever be able to jump on it. I, I was at the re- only reason it, even when I started doing is I went to the NAM show in 2016 and uh, January, 2016, when they unveiled the helix. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so I, I got to touch the, you know, the, their first production models that were out there. And then I actually got the first one in Canada because I was talking to oh, wow. some of the Helix guys, and then yeah, and then I got one put in. Like I mean, they're all they're all coming at this point. Sure, but uh, because I had my name in that hat, I I got you know our 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 long and McQuaid up here in Burlington's pretty quick. You know they're pretty on the ball, so yeah. I was able to get one right off the get the hop. Right, but it was it it was years before I like really understood it, oh, and yeah. I jumped around, and then I jumped around to all of them from that point. You know, it was Axe Effects and Kempers, and I think that's like, exactly I, another big reason why i don't like them is because i find them very complicated you know it's like, it's, it's yeah like it's my 5150 212 like I, I plug into that and i turn it on yeah. and i dial the gain to where i want it and yeah. i dial the volume to yeah. where i want it and it sounds incredible oh, every time you know it's so good man but you know what i always equate that kind of sound i was saying this is somebody else it's like for me it's like that's like me telling you oh man i used to drink until i blacked out you know <laughs> and it's nowadays it's like i can't even stay up past midnight right so it's like i love like the nostalgia to say oh man yeah. we used to plug into these 51 50s and but it's just like yeah dude yeah. But you're like an old man now like you gotta <laughs> you gotta figure out you know some other ways to have your your kicks you know um getting back to the album a little bit here i i uh, wanted to ask you because i i know i i didn't know that you were a drummer until the last time you were here um with the last time when we did this live when you and mike were sitting across the table from me which was awesome can't wait to get back to those days but uh, yeah for sure man but uh i didn't know that you played drums actually until then so and then i also found out that you you maybe laid down the drum tracks for the ep as well yeah before I did. before turning it over to yeah, mike before the, mike yeah. yeah uh and again it was I was like, there was a lot of like 
Kate, stop it. <laughs> Cue me back into that part. You know, it was, there was definitely no playthroughs. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I started playing drums before guitar. Yeah. Um, I was in a couple bands actually as a drummer before a guitar player. Right. Um, I just, I don't know. It's just always something I've never really, like, I, I have it in, under, in my pocket. And I actually teach drums now. So oh, cool. it's now, I'm bet, yeah. So now I could actually, like, I feel comfortable enough again that I could probably play sure. drums. Sure. And Dave, who's the guitar player in Summer Hall, he's actually our drummer in our in Dirty Pioneers. Yeah, I saw that. And and, uh, and he's a great, and he's a wicked drummer. Yeah, he's great. So, uh, so it's funny that we have these two, like, we have all these, like, kind of like different hats we can wear. Sure. It's made this pandemic like so much better than it could be if you're a music writer. It's, yeah. You know, the, the fact that you can rely solely on yourself. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If you want to be creative, you know, and 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 that's my that's why I, I love that I have that skill set is that I can wake up in in the morning and 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 finish it and put a whole song together by the end of the day without having to yeah call anybody. Have you, you know whether it's that's another question not, I was going to ask you. Have you always had that ability to write music like that, or did you sort of? acquire that over time because like i don't wow. have that like i my creative ability like people keep telling me oh you got to get uh easy drummer and all these <laughs> things and there's yeah. no, no chance i could do that like it would take me months or years to learn that to the point where i could sit there and program a quick you know a quick quote-unquote yeah and then play it, this it, shit it, over top you know yeah i don't know i my favorite thing is me and mike used to make uh like we used we i i, I was thinking about these the other day i'd love to if anybody, I know there's probably some people's trapper that happened to them, but we made these albums uh, when we were kids called the Broods, B-R-U-T-H-S, like brothers, the Broods. Nice. And there's three of these tapes, and they're um, <laughs> and they are and they are uh, with this other guy, um, and it's just me on drums, the this guy Daryl on guitar, and uh, Mike singing, and they're like on the cuff songs that we we had like uh, downstairs in the basement so it was just probably like a one mic and a yeah. ghetto blaster yeah, yeah and they're on the cuff songs about like like there's a song about the nhl the first ever <laughs> nhl strike because mike it was going on and like mike i'm the mike's eight like it's like it's yeah. proto-punk like it's it's some good <laughs> stuff so we always were writing material and then when we uh we we moved out to grant we had this garage studio yeah um and again i'm probably 16 at the time so mike's only maybe 11 mm -hmm. and we were making um records like tapes in the back we did a band which like had these uh uh i, I could I was thinking about this the other day it's like a song about when vince neal left motley crew to become a race car driver <laughs> it's like called Vince Neil Eraser. Do, do these e still exist? Do these still exist? These days, somebody has to have them. I would love Mike to was, hear those. Yeah, Mike was telling me that he he thought he knew somebody that had mentioned him and had or Instagrammed him a copy of one of the tapes. Um, Holy but shit! But it was like so. We always had this like everything was about creating something, right? Like even if you had, you didn't have the capability of doing it, you had to figure out how to create something, whether it was just like album covers or yeah, you yeah. were envisioning some crazy concept. Right. So I like that process. Mm -hmm. The problem is with me is I'm not prolific. So I don't have the output. Like I will work. I have a song that I've been, that I have now that I think I wrote in 2011. Mm. Like I'm, I, I don't have the the 
the mo- that I can't be prolific about. I can't mm. bang them out. You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. it's like I'll sit on something forever. You know and yeah, but that's not but a bad I, thing, right? I mean, like sometimes it takes a while for you to figure out the other piece that you know the piece yeah, of the kind of. Or you just don't have you just don't have the the uh, the, the the capabilities. Mm. I've always split my time. There's a lot of guys, especially in the punk scene mm. and stuff like that, that it's all about the song, right? Like it's mm. just like whether you play it on an acoustic guitar or a Marshall and a sure. Les Paul, it's all about the song. But for me, I'm a half and half kind of person. Mm-hmm. I I I consider myself like a guitar player first. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the playing of the guitar is the number one for me. Right. So if if you wrote a bunch of songs and you were like, can you play guitar on them? I would get just as much joy in doing that as if I, right. you know. But some people can't have that. They need to write the music and they need to. They can't just play other people's material. Mm-hmm. I think one of my biggest strengths is that as a collaborator, though. Like, so that's why I, I like working with like one other person at a, you know, and 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 then start like, like the ideas start getting so wacky. Dave Featherstone, who uh, is the other guitar player, yeah. we have tons of stuff that we we have like like tw- we have like a twenty song album that we've that's already awesome. finished because we we get so amped up that yep. we and it's uh and and we go in with like ideas and. You know, I'm a huge Finn Lizzy fan, and mm-hmm. and then so that kind of sound always. I'm still trying to come up with my own variation of right, that. Right. You know? So all this stuff is is like that. But we'll do that. We'll just be like, oh, check this out. Oh my god! And if I do a harmony here, and then and then we sometimes we listen to the tapes back like a month later, and we go, that sounds ridiculous, so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta go through that. Like, but you gotta go through that, yeah. right? especially when you're collaborating with someone because. You never know what kind of gem is gonna come out, right? You have to throw, oh, and, see and what sticks, right? There is some, and I'm there's some stuff in here. Like I said, I am not prolific enough to go in there and, and start to fish it out, but there is some stuff in here that I'd like to, to to get on. But you know, it's just it's just trying to like if we if we're if we're together for four hours, we'll come up with like eighteen ideas. Yeah. Whether or not any of those ideas stick together or fit, and, mm-hmm. and as you as any songwriter know, then it's you know then what it's the music is one thing now it's the the vocals and yeah and so all that but i i do love the process of writing i wouldn't say like i'd say that'd be my knock because i just it's just the prolificness i can't i just don't have the output to keep doing it on a daily basis yeah and i mean i feel the exact same way with you when you mentioned you know collaborating with someone like these days of writing something and then sending it to someone via the internet like a lot of bands are doing now and i just find that i find it so difficult Honestly, like I like it to is. be in a room with somebody, at least one other yeah. person and say, hey, what do you think about this? See what their actual reaction is to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they're not reacting well to it. They don't even have to say anything. You know, it's no good. Right. Oh, my God. I was working at the start of this pandemic. I was working with a few people with different projects across uh, the country. And uh, one was like, he sent me an idea. I I did something on it. And then three weeks later, you know, uh try changing this yeah and see? then i said it and then after after about two months of it i was like you know what i don't think this is gonna work because yeah. i just I, I but you you know by the time that you've even told me that you didn't like this i don't even remember what i did like i'm, I'm constantly reviewing like what yeah. and I, you know relearning and yeah so I, I that's what i'm saying like i'm not prolific where it's got to be fast but but has to be really quick the process like right. i want i want results quickly yeah well, whatever you did with between you and Dave, you know, writing those those or getting the demos done or whatever, it, I mean, obviously it turned into a fantastic EP. So again, I congratulate yeah, you guys I, on all the success thanks. on that because it's great. I 
I would have liked to like, I mean, in hindsight, you know, we would have, we, 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 we could have pushed it a little further yeah. and, 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 and did like more songs. We were always under the mindset that, you know, it's the, the new day and age and attention spans are, are thin. And I, I think it was a great way know, to, to dip the, the somehow hollow toe back into the scene with that force. on. Yeah. And we just wanted to, and then we just thought in our mindset, we were just like, then we'll do another four. Yeah. We'll do another absolutely. two or another yeah. four. And then, it, you know, and then, and and then nice, this happened. It's so. a nice way to see how well it's being received too. Right. And clearly like yeah. great turnouts of the shows, everyone's digging it. And I, you know, it, it, I think it was, uh, a, yeah, I talked to, it, it was a fun. It's a, it was a great thing to do. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I, and again, like I said, if we if we had the time to to promote, if we if we didn't have the pandemic, we yeah. would have pushed, promoted, pushed. Oh yeah, you know, and and, and that's not to say that's not going to happen. Yeah, it just um, it just has when to wait. A bit. It comes back. It just might be prolonged a little bit. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You talked about gear a little bit before. We we kind of skimmed yeah. the surface on the gear. I know you've had a, a fairly substantial collection in the past. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's what's your gear situation right now? Because I'm a fellow gear junkie. I'm always trolling Kijiji and you know Facebook <laughs> for every for all these pieces of gear. Well, I um, yeah, I, that's my I I I I became so when I I did uh, the school, uh, Dirty Pioneers, which was is the cover band that's played over 100 dates a year uh but i was making some good money doing kijiji like i was uh because i love it first yeah. of all i don't think you can make money up you don't love it so i right. skim it and oh man that's a good deal or you know oh that'd be something cool and i'm not the mindset was i've never tried that mm-hmm. maybe i'll get it and if i can then resell it i don't yeah. need to make money but it's like yeah. i like to try products and and see what sticks right. and then but i think at the end of the day you probably are always going to go back to kind of what yeah worked for you at the very beginning right yeah, yeah. So. And i'm the same way i won't buy gear unless it's like uh it has to be an amazing deal like i got a, a yeah. Marshall jvm uh 50 watt head the the half sort of power head yeah. for 600 bucks and i was like that yeah. should have easily been 1200 you know what i mean i could have oh, sat on sure, it for man. a month and sold it and doubled my money but i love the amp so it's not going anywhere i mean it's yeah. staying but it's an investment right oh it's it's great but it, again i'm but again i don't um, specific stuff speaks to me right so like even if i have something it doesn't mean like people like it doesn't mean i'm like I'm fully invested in it, you know, right. whether it's a tool or not. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but, but I have a, a few things that are like, you know, no brainers. They just, they're always there, you know, you got many um, less balls in there in that collection right now. Yeah. I know. You <laughs> sure, I just hold on. I know, I know it's a video screen, <laughs> but uh, this one is good. Daryl, you'll like this. I know. And I'll, I'll talk it. I won't, I won't just show the pictures, <laughs> but this one just, uh, this is the gem of the collection right here. So this is a, uh, yeah this that, is um that one's nice. yeah this is this is a 2005 yeah uh les paul standard standard yeah okay and as you can see it's oh, like a typical device yeah. got a headstock break yeah and what you'll see is that's missing a tuner see i got oh the, yeah 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 it's got a yeah the old one so this was josh she's from silverstein's oh wow yeah. That's so awesome. what happened was, yeah, this is a crazy story, but this is uh so I don't know if they got these as like a, you know, an endorsement deal. Like when I was in grade, I had a, a Gibson deal. Oh, so okay. I, I got an, I got an Explorer from them. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Sparkle. It was like a rainbow sparkle. We got like deals on them. Um, right. Right. Like uh, artist deals, right? You know, you know, yeah. Artist deal. It was like, nobody was giving me anything, but no, it was yeah. like, it, it yeah. was like, but it's still better than paying uh, full pop anyway. 
Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So we have a mutual friend up here, uh, Brad Sumac. He's kind of like the, uh, you know, he's the, he runs a bar down here uh, called the Poacher. He's just like one of those guys that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So um, I I I, I kind of stay off the social media. It's just not my bag. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, I think, is a lot of fun. It is. Yeah. Um, That's my favorite one. But too. yeah, but so uh, uh, my buddy Jay uh, plays bass in the Dirty Pioneers. He mm-hmm. called me one day and he said, "Hey, uh, Sumax posted something and it just said, guitar players looking to add to your collection, get back at me.'" So I just half jokingly said, "Well, anybody that has that kind of statement, it's got to be like." I yeah. got some PB, you know, Raptor. I got a PB Raptor and a Squire, you know, whatever. So I said, oh, no, there'll, there'll be nothing there that I'm interested. Right. So he said, do, do you want me to call him? Do you want me to text him? I said, sure, why not? So he comes back and he says, he's got a Gibson Les Paul standard. So I was like, that's crazy. So I said, get him to send me a picture. So he sends me this picture of this guitar, and it's like the, it's like one of the worst pictures you've ever seen. It's like, it looks like it's red. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I said, those, I know um, those photos. <laughs> So I said to him, uh, oh, I think that might be a friend of mine's old guitar because it had the broken headstock and yeah. it was red. Mm-hmm. And so I said, did you buy that off uh, Steve? And I uh, said, no, it's Josh from Silverstein. Sold it to me about 12 years ago. Uh, and it's been sitting on a stand ever since. So he said it's in really bad shape. The case, it, he said he threw the case in the garbage because it was all destroyed. Jeez. And um, yeah, like the, the tuning pegs were all crooked, like in the picture because they were all loose. Yeah. And, uh, and it had duct tape, like, like from here with us, you know, for the strap right. and it, and the residue, like never cleaned the residue. So it was like 12 years of this residue. So I was like, he goes, it's in really rough shape. And I said, well, what do you want for it? And he says to me, I don't know, man, do you think you could do 500 bucks? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I think I could do 500 bucks is what I would have fucking said immediately. So I said, so I said five uh, for sure. So anyways, I went down, got it. Brad's a good old friend. He wanted something. It was like, I said, you sure you want to sell this for that? And he said, yeah, you want to buy something else? Yeah. It was all good. So I took this home and, uh, and cleaned it all up. Um, just, you know, got removed all the tape. It had, yep. the, it had no strap pins. They were ripped out. Right. Like, so I had to redowel all the pins. Which is not and, uh, the end of the world anyway, right? No, and uh, the, ele- the everything is like still stocked, so it's exactly it looks, like all the it looks pots beautiful. are like, even the uh, oh yeah, like even the the corrosion on the pickup covers is beautiful. You know what I mean? Just oh, that little bit. Uh, anyways, and the flames is beautiful. The flaming is beautiful. It's a great yeah. This particular year, I don't like. I'm a Gibson. Like I'm such an officiant. So, yeah. Like I know everything. That this particular year, I don't know if you know this, but. 2003, 2005 is when they kind of tried, you know, to pick the company back up again. Mm. So these are uh, modeled after the 50s ones. Oh, okay. so see yeah. how the see, the headstock's shrunken in. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the reissues. Yeah, and then uh, the Les Paul screenings are less, you know, like the old ones. It's not as uh, yeah. that works. Well, yeah, and then the you know, the blank covers, and then stupid stuff like the binding. See how the binding is like straight there, not yeah. thick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and this is like folklore, but apparently the the sales of their custom shop reissues right. faltered in these years because well, sure. people were buying the these standards are so good. Were, yeah, this was the first year they put the burst buckers in, and so like they were, it was it was like these are great guitars. Then in two thousand six, they they started to chamber them, and mm-hmm. and that, that's all great, well and good. I'm not knocking yeah. that stuff. So this two years they had from 2003, 2005 was kind of the rebirth, or it might have been 2002 to 2005, yeah. the rebirth of the Les Paul standard. Yeah. So yeah. these are like gem guitars. These sure, are like, yeah. absolutely. 
And it's anyways, long story short, I put it together. I brought it to the studio. I put strings on it and it just, it's a champ, man. It, it's, oh, in, yeah. it, it, it's, it, it stays in tune. It sounds wicked. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those guitars that is that'll, that's a lifer because yeah. it's, uh, it didn't, it didn't the, cost the you hardly anything to get into. And, yeah. <clears throat> and I, you know, and I, and I just, and I, so for me, I really love like all guitars, but like, so I, that Les Pauls are always going to be the, yeah. I just, it's finding your comfort level with them, you know? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Um, listen, and long story, to answer your short, long story short, if, if, as far as the gear goes, if yeah. you don't like, uh, if something, it could be the greatest guitar in the world, best sounding thing ever, but for me, in the, or it, it doesn't stay in tune. Yeah. It's gone. I know. Yeah, or it's, or it stays in <laughs> tune, but doesn't sound great. Yeah. Or it stays in tune, sounds great, but it looks stupid. It's gone. It's got to be like the, the package the has got to be The perfect package. You know? I know. I feel yeah. you, man. I feel you. You'll have to send me a picture of that Les Paul so that I can put it up on the Instagram um, page for the, uh, for for the sure. podcast uh, when this drops so like, people can see what we're talking about. It's a beautiful, like, what is that, like a root beer kind of burst? It's, yeah, yeah, it's called, it's, yeah, it's root beer. Yeah, and it's beautiful. So you have to send me a picture so yeah. I can put that up so the listeners can see. But still on the topic of gear here, um, mm-hmm. what was your, do you remember what your first real guitar was? Like, I know you started playing drums first. Once you started getting into guitar, because I know your dad, Norm, plays guitar. He must have had some yeah. around. He did. Uh, my dad was always, like, old pictures of my dad. He had an old SG and a couple of guitars. But when we were growing up, um, it was just mainly acoustic guitars. He had a, a Takamine that we'd always play or bang on. And uh, um, a couple of really nice 12 strings. But he was never, like, an electric. Like, he played electric guitar, but by that by the point we were interested into it all that stuff was kind of gone my first real guitar i ever got was a charvel charvette which was like a charvel like a shredder but it was their like i guess it was their lower line charvette okay and uh it was my cousin chad castron you know chad castron's a cambridge yeah I know alumni chad. yeah i mean yeah and I, he's, I know uh, like we're in the same universe of friends you know what i mean like i'm not close with them but i i know him yeah Chad was a um, uh, deadly drummer. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, he played in a he played, he played in, a in a band called, called Trebindle. Bun, Trebindle. Trebindle and Bun, and then before then it was Bun. Yeah, Remember Bun. Like yep. that's going back pretty far. way back. Yeah, way back, like mid nineties for sure. Yeah, like I, I I was part of that scene because I played in a band uh, from Cambridge called the United Kingdom, and oh, okay. we played. Uh, yeah, we played uh, with Bun. I'm trying to think of all those bands back then, man. There was a there was a another one of those kind of cafe places on uh, on um, you know where the hospital Hespler, the hospital is there and uh, yeah on uh, on uh, uh, Coronation uh, Street or Coronation yeah Boulevard, there was a little club like right before you 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 play like yeah there right was at this the intersection right little, it's called the Troubadour yeah or it's like a the tr- yeah but it used to be called something cafe it's funny you said that but it was like but anyways they used to put on these great punk shows that were like completely illegal like we had a place called the yellow sub in burlington at the yeah, time when i first moved up year. here yeah. yeah it was like like all underage people drinking like like 15 year olds you know getting drunk Holy and shit. it was like oh it was it was it was like it was crazy places like that and i remember being uh 16 and going to this bar in cambridge and getting served but I do remember it was weird. It was like one of those things where you walked in, you were like, oh, can I have a beer? And the guy was like, okay, 20 bucks. Like it yeah, was like, yeah. I remember it not being like, okay, 3.99. There's a, pr- there's like, a premium like, to be yeah, paid for a, that. You, you're going to pay. 
Uh, but but that was a great. But so anyways, um, uh, my cousin sold me this Charvette. Chad sold me this Charvette because I wanted to learn how to play guitar. But I never, never, ever played it. Like it was uh, um, probably one of the worst guitars you could ever buy. Yeah. The first guitar that had like a really bad Floyd Rose. And yeah. Th- you know, <laughs> my actual first guitar I ever bought was a Squire Telecaster that I got at what was John Ballone's music in London. Okay. I, brought, I I moved to London and uh, to go to college. Yeah, and uh, and I didn't bring my drum set, so my I was like, I'm not gonna bring my drum set. I moved in with two old friends from Cambridge. Right, <clears throat> and um, and uh, this is a fun. This is like all these lead up to how I I ended up, you know, joining yeah. bands and going on tour. But I was I I moved in with these two guys, and I was unfamiliar with the area. I had a girlfriend, but she was um she either moved to london but was in a different spot but i was mm-hmm. on kind of where these two guys were going to western i was going to fanshawe oh, okay so the very first long weekend was like a thanksgiving long weekend or something like that it uh, they wanted to they were all both of them were going home for the the break but i was going right. to stay in london so my friend carlo who said uh hey uh okay are you sticking around yeah okay my friends are having a keg party down the street you know great bunch of guys if you're bored so it was like a Friday night. I was like up alone. I was like, ah, you know, why not? Sure. Right. So I get out of the house. I look and right down the street, there's this big keg party going on. Nice. So I go in and it's like, it's not what I would expect this guy to be shooting me to. A lot of like, you know, you got to think of the era. This is 94. And so a lot of like, you know, wallet chains and <laughs> baggy pants and, and all this. And, uh, so, so basically, I'm how I used to dress around. in the mid '90s. Yeah, like it was like, yeah. So I was like, you know, <laughs> loud music playing. So I I ran into these two guys, and we were just we got along really well. And of course, they were a guitar player and a bass player looking for a drummer. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, so funny. I said, I'm not bringing my drums to college. Right. And then, literally, like two weekends later, I was at home with my car packing my drums up. <laughs> and so that got me in the door. Uh, in the London music scene, it was yeah. a band called Poopa, and uh, I it, it got me in the, the clubs there. So I got introduced to all the guys that were running the London music scene at the time. And uh, I don't know how familiar I are with this, but this was be around right, right, right time Sonic Onion just got off the ground. Okay, yeah. so it was uh, Treble Charger, um, all these 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 those kind of bands yep. were the the bands that were the local right. bands put on shows down right, there. Right. And, um, so, uh, it would be like the same thing as like, you know, in the Burlington scene, it was the grade, you know, was the, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the big band and everybody was kind of opening up for them, but there was right. a band called the new, new grand and they were all signed to the Sonic onion records. And then, so it was like, that was the scene. Um, and then from there I rented a room above call the office. And so as you know, call the office is the big place to go see shows in London. Mm-hmm. Oh, so for I, sure. I had a. So I had a room upstairs uh, with these guys that called the office. And what that allowed you to do was you had to get into the front en- entrance of the club and then you had to go up the set of stairs. So the guys were really cool with people that were renting upstairs that you could just come downstairs and check out a show. Like mm-hmm. if you came in at six o'clock to go up to your room and that, you know, the, the gig started at nine, you'd, co- you'd, you'd be able to just walk downstairs right. and, and, and grab a beer. So every band we got to see, like uh, all the, uh, fat records bands wow. snfu propagandi uh, i remember the first time propagandi came there i had just got my wisdom teeth taken out and 
they let me sit on there was this little uh shelf area that had like pictures and stuff yeah, yeah, right yeah. in the front of the stage nice. and uh the the guys that ran the club they let me sit on that oh, wow. because i was like literally like i was like I was still kind of like doing the woos and all that, but I was like propaganda, like this yeah. is the greatest thing ever. Absolutely. So it, it was just a great entry way to the music scene. Yeah. And we would, we would go to gigs four or five nights, like a week, there'd be a Wednesday night oh, gig that's there, amazing, Thursday, man. Friday, Saturday. And it was all like good local bands and neurosis. Like I could go on and on. Like the, yeah. what the bands I got to see in that there, I, I yeah. got to see Radiohead. Radiohead at Call the Office. That's insane, uh, just, man. That that little club is so small and yeah, but it's so it's iconic. So, it's very iconic. I'll tell you, I I I seen Radiohead there, and it, they just put out their their big record or their their kind of debut record. Right. And this how this is how small it was when they finished their set. The Tom York walked off the front of the stage and went to the bar. Yeah. Like he was just like, put his microphone down. I can remember this again. I went to the bar and I was with a friend that was like, you know, he was into all that kind of alternative mm -hmm. rock. And so he knew he was, all, he was all big in that scene. So, you know, we went right over to the bar and, and, and chatted, had a beer with him, you know, that it's just like, wild, it's, just a, it's just a fun, like little place, but, absolutely. but, but, but long story short, I uh, eventually wanted to, I got hooked up with a bunch of guys from the music industrial arts program. Right. Right. At Fanshawe, Ryan Izzard. I don't. Do you know Ryan Izzard? We, you talked about him the last time you were on, and, and yeah. mentioned a lot about him actually. He's like, uh, he kind of got involved. This is how I. This is my Burlington connection. So yeah. he, um, he wanted to record a band. So I made a band called Voice of Reason. Yes, Voice of Reason. Yeah. And uh, and I was gonna be, and I started playing guitar. So I, you right. know, I bought this Squire Telecaster, and I was playing just like power chords, Dead Milkman stuff, and then I started writing songs that were kind of like good riddance yeah. kind of tunes, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, um, you know, that in that vein, that was what I was really into, yeah. like skate punk, but not as poppy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, it was mm -hmm. that more that good riddance style. Sure. And, uh, and so I started playing guitar then, and then we recorded the album with Ryan Izzard. Ryan Izzard started a record label called United Records. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Trunk was on the label. Yeah. He put Voice of Reason and Trunk out on tour. Trunk, uh, you know, Ryan was playing guitar for them. He quit halfway through the tour. They came over to me and they said, can you learn our set? Right, so then right, I was right. doing Voice of Reason Trunk. And then by the time I got back to London, you know, three weeks later, they called me and said, hey, we got a couple of gigs in Toronto. Can you come? You, can you fill in or yeah. play? And I came then third gig. They were like, you just want to join the band? Yeah, <laughs> and that's long story short. So that's how I started. The, that's the first guitar. That's because that was the Squire Telecaster. Yeah, that which is funny. I started to play because now you're playing Tellys again, pretty much. Like I don't want to say exclusively have, on stage, but the last few times I've seen you, you've been playing Tellys. Yeah, I was really. I went really knee deep back in the Telly thing. I don't. I would say that at any time you'll see me in the future, I'll be probably back to a less Paul full time again. Good. I I'm, like the I'm Telecasters. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love Telecasters. Like I just think I do there's too. something about them. But I, 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 there is definitely things I don't like about them. Yeah, you know, and um, and uh, they're comfortable. The necks oh, I sure like, but yeah. you know, the bridge is you know takes some time to get used to. And I, yeah. I started realizing I like a certain bridge on tellies. You know, just like anything in yep. life, you get used to one thing. And oh, of course. Um, but uh, I, uh, but um, sorry. So the, the but here's the great story about this whole thing is that. I went from a tele Squire Telecaster mm -hmm. to a 1979 Les Paul Standard. I went to John Ballone's music once. We did this Voice of Reason 
thing. Yeah. Uh, and we were going to go on tour. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to buy a Les Paul studio. Gibson used to do those Gibson days. Yep. Remember where yep. they drive yep. the truck around and mm-hmm. uh, went in, found the Les Paul studio. It was 800 bucks. And this is back then too. It's so crazy that yep. prices kind yeah. of stay similar. Uh, that is weird. Uh, it is weird. And so I put it off to the side and this one guy, I remember was eyeballing it. He's, are you buying that? Uh, it had a little bit of a, you know, they would tell you what was wrong with yeah. this. It's hilarious yeah. back in the day. Like this one has a slight neck twist. Right. This one's got a chip here. So I'm about to, buy this guitar and it was with money that was being loaned to me from my bandmates because I had no money. Right. And uh, this guy comes up to me and he says, you buying that studio? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, <laughs> would you rather have that? He points at this uh, tobacco burst standard. Oh, wow. So I look at him and I go, well, obviously I'd rather have that. Yeah. But it's not, it's, you know, and he goes, come outside with me for a minute. And so just like a dumb kid, I was like, sure. <laughs> so I went outside for him. And he literally opens up his trunk and he's got a 1979 Les Paul standard in the trunk um, with the, the old uh, protector case and everything. And he was like, you want this? And wow. I was like, well, how much? A thousand bucks. Holy so I was just about to buy this thing for eight, but don't forget on uh, credit. Right. Through balloons. Yeah. So I had no physical, I had no. a little bit of $400. Right. So this guy, uh, the bandmate at the time was Sean, he was you know, London, he was, his family was pretty well off. Yeah. He went to the bank and took out 600 bucks for me nice. and, and combined it. So I went right from that Squire Tele to a 79 standard. That's a big leap. To go from a Squire <laughs> Telecaster to a 1979 Les Paul standard is a huge yeah. leap. Not and, many and people can like say that. The, no, and it was like one of those guitars you're just like, like it was heavy as hell. Oh, yeah. Like a real, a real back break. Yeah, but that's what I like about those ones. I like those heavy yeah. ones. They sound <laughs> oh, you would have loved this one, They sound man. thick. Yeah, and so I took this one. Uh, that was the one that I played, tr- did all the trunk stuff with, and then and went on tour with, yeah. grade with, with my 79 standard. Nice. So, yeah, that was uh, the, the, the great great guitars. But, yeah. That's awesome. Um, we were, uh, before we were talking about the record, I, I for- when we were talking about drumming, actually, I wanted to discuss the drummer that you've now acquired for somehow hollow, assuming yes. that he's going to continue on with somehow hollow. Cause I know he's extremely busy. I would guy. think so. Yeah. Mike yeah, Harshaw yeah, of yeah. annihilator fame. Canada's one of Canada's biggest metal bands. One of Canada's right? biggest metal bands. Yeah. And I got to say, man, that guy is a fucking animal. I had no idea yeah. who Mike was. I, I mean, I, I, I really don't know anything about annihilator. I think I've probably heard 30 seconds of an annihilator song in my entire life, but that doesn't yeah. mean that I can't appreciate <laughs> it for what it is. I'm not, I'm not a big metal guy, but I can appreciate it for yeah. what it is. But what I, what I really appreciate in a lot of the my favorite bands is a really good drummer. And Mike yes. is an absolute yeah. animal. When I saw him drum that first night that I saw you guys in uh, Hamilton, like yeah. my yeah, he was exploded. like one of those ones where people were just like, "What the hell?" He's amazing, man. Like, yeah, he's a great and, and he's a great guy too. And um, you met him because you did that that metal that project, right? What was that band called? Yeah. Malakota. Malakota. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, like I was doing this, um, just weird things happen. Again, I guess this is going back, this circles back to what we were talking about doing stuff with like uh, digital online. Mm-hmm. And so I got a call from this guy that um, I used to teach, believe it or not, when he was young. And he he, he said, hey, I've got this band together. Uh, are you? Would you be interested in helping me do some guitar solos on it? So I was like, kind of like, eh. So I said, send me some demos. So he sent me some demos and uh, I had the, I just had gotten the helix. Like I told you from mm-hmm. the, um, 
when I was at the NAM show. Mm-hmm. So I plugged it in and ran his tracks through and got a little bit of a lead tone. And then for about a week, I farted around with some of his tracks and sent it back to him. And he said, Oh, I like this a lot. Um, can you come to this studio and do it mm. like, and, 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 and do the solos. So uh, that's a funny story too. I brought the helix with me and then we ended up tracking all the solos with the helix. Mm-hmm. And then when I sent it to, do you know uh, the band threat signal? They're like a big metal band from uh, Hamilton. They're on no, Nuclear Blast. I don't. I can't say that I do. And John Howard is the uh, the 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 vocalist in that band. So he did the record. He had tracked the whole record. He's got a big uh, studio. He's he's uh, he's quite a uh, remarkable engineer for that, especially for the metal genre. Mm-hmm. He tracked the whole record, but I ended up just sending the stems of the Helix files, thinking that they would reamp it. Yep. But he ended up keeping the long. That's a side note. He ended up keeping those tracks right. because he was like, "What is this thing?" And it was, and it was like, "Oh, it's a helix." And oh, what? That's crazy. It's just funny to think now that they're so prominent. But yeah. back then, it was like, yeah, they were so a new, new product, exactly. Right? So, um, so I did this record, and then we actually the guy that the singer we actually became decent friends. Where he had a studio in Oakville, and we used to just go hang out, drink beer, and uh, again, it was fun because it was it was a guy that you. You know, Pro Tools was always up and running. So, you know, and he was a big Iced Earth fan, which is hilarious. I thought that guy's in the news now um, for the Capitol, you know, insurrection, you know, in the United States. Mm. The, oh, they, yeah. yeah. They, they got that Iced Earth yeah. guy. But he he, <laughs> he bought one of his Les Pauls oh, like, wow. for like $8,000. He was selling Holy. off all his, these Les Pauls that he used in these, um, famous albums by yeah, theirs yeah, yeah. so this one album he really loved so he's got this guitar and had you know sign certificate of them all this anyway so he always had like those kind of guitars sitting there so we you'd, you'd you'd make some tracks but they were really into the whole like seven string and all that kind of yeah, stuff thing and it yeah. wasn't really wasn't really my scene right um but he was uh so he, this album we did this album and then um we're shooting a video for the first uh, the single off it. Mm-hmm. And so I was not involved in this at all. Like I was done. Like my, as far as I, it was over, I was out. Right. And he called me and he said, Hey, do you think you could be in the video? So I was like, whatever, like I got nothing else to do. So sure. I went down Why this not? video shoot and all the guys that tracked on the album were at this part of the shoot. Oh, cool. So this, this keyboard player, Jonah Weingarten from, he was from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's in all these like prog metal bands from like that are, you know, European and all this stuff. Cause he's like, this keyboard wizard guy and um and mike harshaw was the drummer on it so it's the first time i met mike and okay. uh, so you got to see this like it's so it's so ridiculous have you seen the video no i haven't oh can't say God. that i have uh, you, is it on okay, youtube so can that, i can i research it, it? oh yeah, yeah. oh I yeah can go look it up it's called uh melakota it is hold on again i'm bad with titles so this is the album okay oh that's and cool. uh yeah the song is called penny dreadful penny dreadful okay yeah, but just to give you down. a preview, like here's me. Oh yeah, I I did see those pictures of you with the makeup on. Yeah, so, but I saw a black and white one where it was like your faces. I think, dude, it's so funny. So we get down <laughs> to this video shoot. Anyways, Penny Dreadful Melakota. Look, it's about a six minute video, but it's actually really well done. It had like a like a crew, a director, yeah, a makeup artist, yeah, the whole oh, nine yards. So it was yeah. it was it was funny. Uh, so anyways, I get down there and we're getting this makeup on and i didn't sign up for that like i'm telling you like I, but i was just kind of like oh my god so anyways uh mike was beside me the whole time and so 
once you see the video, you'll see it. But the camera would pan on this track. Yeah. So it was me in the corner of this dingy basement, Mike, and then the rest of the guys. Right. So every now and again, the camera would track by me, but it would, you know, I'd be out of sight of it. Right. And Mike would, and he'd be drumming. And then as soon as the camera panned past him, he would kind of stop <laughs> and he'd look at me and make, like, he would just like, like, as in like, what did I just sign up for? Yeah. And I'm dying laughing, right? Like, I'm just like, because I'll tell you, right before the shoot, I brought a Les Paul with me. I brought a black standard. Yeah, yeah. And the, the guy in the band goes, oh, could you play this? And he had like this, like, Schecter with like eight spikes and all this. And I literally looked at him. I was like, dude, I, I can't. Like, I can, I'll be in your video, but I cannot, like, I cannot seriously play that. And, just like, the cheesiest metal guitar. Yeah. It just was so bad. It was like red and black, like the Blackjack series or something like that. It was terrible guitar. And I just was like, uh, look, man, like no offense. If you want me to look remotely natural in this, I have to play something I'm used to. Yeah, so, yeah. So we, it would, the camera would band by me and I would kind of be looking at him. And he'd make, Mike was constantly looking at me like we'd be rolling our eyes. <laughs> and then it got to this one section where they're pumping the room full of uh, smoke. Oh, okay. And uh, so the whole room is filled with smoke. Like you can't even see anything. Right, right. So every now, like every now and again, the smoke would clear, and Harshaw would be drumming, and he, like the smoke would clear in his face, and, he, and just, just, just dying, laugh, trying so. to trying to oh, keep up with just, the track. Oh, we, we're dying laughing, and then it was this technique they use. It's, and I guess they use it in horror movies where they will slow the tape down and then play the track at half speed. Yeah. So that when it goes back up to regular speed. You kind of have this, you know, that stupid yeah, horror yeah, movie yeah. jerky motion. Yep. And then the reverse of that is they would speed the song up by two and then shrink it back down. So I guess I don't know what the effect would be there. You're kind of like in this weird suspended state and mm -hmm. the song's going. But there's a part in the track where it's blast beats. So like I mean like really fast. So so it's going in slow speed. He's going, da, 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 da. he's vibing along. But then we're doing like literally 20 takes of the six minute song at double speed. Right. <laughs> and it's just comical because he can't even drum that fast. We just start like, oh he's just like God. holding them on the drums. And we're, and I'm, we're dying. So we're waiting for this camera to keep panning because every time it pans back to me, I got to, I, I get the metal face going. And yeah. then as soon as the camera pants off me, I'm, I can't even breathe. I'm dying. I'm laughing. Because I'm looking at Harsha and he's trying his best. And long story short, we take our first break of the day and we go into the red. They've ordered pizza and right. all this stuff. And so we got all this stupid makeup on and Mike's sitting there. And so I kind of said something. And as I said it to these metal guys, I was like, why'd you say that, dude? I was like, <laughs> oh, it just, I said something like, uh, oh, like MXPX. Or I forget the band yeah. I referenced, but it was completely something lame. completely goes, out of their out of their element. And Harshad turns to me and goes, "Oh man, I love MXPX." And oh, I was wow. like, "What?" And then he goes, uh, "He goes, dude, I grew up on No Effects. Like all that stuff is my oh. favorite stuff." So I'm like, "Oh yeah, like I did too." So now we're we're chatting about No Effects, Propagandi, right. Lagwagon, all oh, Lagwagon, and he's like this, and I'm going, "Wow, that's kind of cool." So we finished the shoot, and that was it. Long story short, yeah. We maybe had done a few rehearsals after that because we were going to actually like do a couple shows, mm -hmm. but we never it never happened. I was, I was, uh, I went to a session uh, a few weeks later and told like told them one song they're working at sucked or I wasn't being very mm -hmm. cordial about how I. And then I got a text saying, "Hey, I think we're going to move on without you." Okay, like, <laughs> go ahead. I wasn't even like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
You mean you're uh, kicking me out of a band that, I never yeah. really wanted to join in the first place? Awesome. But they did. They, but the funny thing is, they did that to Mike like a week earlier. Oh no They're shit! Like, we kicked Mike out, yeah, because he was like, "What? I'm not even in this band." So we were. So we had this funny backstory about how we would laugh at each other and be like, "What? Like we're doing?" Yeah. Fast forward to I uh, had a, a run of gigs booked with the Dirty Pioneers that our drummer Randy couldn't come, couldn't show up to. Right. So I was like you know i'll call mike harsha and see if he wants to do it so i yeah. called him and i was like hey man do you remember me from you know oh yeah yeah we had a great track i said you can you fill in for these gigs he's like totally so we learned a bunch of set and he came and did a, like nice. a few weeks of gigs with us so we always had this great connection and then when somehow hollow we had done the demo and then we started thinking about drummers so in our head we had a few logical options yeah and one of them would have been nice with Scotty Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Scotty played drums for Summer Hollow yeah. right after Kent died when mm-hmm. we did those tribute shows because Scotty uh, was in one of Kent's bands. Right, yeah. So it was like a, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, oh, this will be cool. We'll get Scott. Like, so Scotty came up and did a couple songs with us because right. we had Drew still on, still, Drew was still playing drums right. for Summer Hollow. And then Drew, like, uh, then we had a couple opportunities to do a couple more of these shows. Uh, tribute Kent shows with like Jersey and yeah. some of the bands that were from that era. Yeah. And Drew just wasn't an option at that mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Scotty did the drums, played all the drums. Mm-hmm. So he was our first when we when we were like, because it was like, am I gonna play drums on this? Like I didn't feel comfortable. Like I told you, I was double tracking everything. Like I yeah. was, uh, I was stopping and let's take it from the verse. Well, it's <laughs> and tough when if I you're not, doing, like, you know, a, a drummer oh, that does it all sh- the time, you know. And I wasn't in shape, and I was like, so like, what the? I would have loved to see the. I'll I'll send you some tapes if I can find them. But like, we'd literally have a session one day, just me and Dave. Like, we would not waste anybody's time, and it would be like, it would literally be, how long can you do the skate punk beat for? And I'd be like, all right, get go. And yeah. I'd just be playing it like this until I fell apart. And uh, Dave would be like, oh, you made it like two minutes. And I'd be like, yeah, like I was training, right? That's a hard one to so, do, man, that beat for a long time. Yeah. So I was, uh, anyways, long story short, yeah. I was like, that's the last, that's the worst option is for me to play drums on it because it would yeah. just be a mess. So we were like Scotty and then Scotty um, does sound engineering. Yep. So he does um, on movies and commercials and yep. stuff like that. Yep. He's he's quite, he's a, he's a, such, a, such a sweetheart. He's pretty successful uh, at it too. So, he's doing it a lot. Yeah. He does, man. And he's, uh, and he's a great, I still talk to Scotty over Instagram. Yeah, me too. He's just a great guy. He's an awesome guy. Yeah, good. He's such a great, great guy. Yep. So it, it, he, it wasn't going to work out the weekends. He, I'm sure he would have done it. It mm. wasn't going to work out with our timing. And then at the last minute, I said, oh my God, I wonder if I called Mike, if he'd be into this. Yeah. So I called, I called Harsh up and just said, hey man, you know, and I, I, I paid him like, uh, like a session wage. Yeah. Um, because, you know, um, uh, it, it's a lot of work for him. Absolutely. He loves drumming, but, and then, so long story short, he came, did the album, killed it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then after the album came out, I said, do you want to, like, I want to use your, you on the album cover and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, and then just said, are you interested in like yeah, playing like with the band? And he was just like, for sure, man. That's awesome. He's yeah. Such and a it was good, too bad too. He's such a good drummer to have locked down because like, uh, you know, I said it in the last podcast too. For the people that listen every every show, I don't know how many are out there that do that. But I talked about how much it's important for me to be in a band with a good drummer and someone that's really oh, solid. Sure. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. and I know a lot of musicians musicians say that, but for me, when I go see a live band, there's there's like a few 
key things that they have to have, and a really solid drummer is one of them. And Mike just he blew my mind when I saw him play with you guys. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> one of the big things that I'll tell you for playing music for as long as I have is mm. that and having a drumming background was I always had a real difficult time playing with drummers that weren't. They don't have to be great, mm. but solid is because you're constantly metering them. Yeah. You're, I felt like it's like, I, I felt like a, like a band director a lot of times, you mm. know, do, signaling them. Yeah. You'd yeah. be shocked at the, the bands I've been in that I've done that even up, up into a certain, like, mm. you know, successful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where, where you're, you're constantly cueing them yeah. and stuff. And yeah. that's, that's, it's taxing because I know. you're, 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 you're half in what you're, to what you're doing. Half is kind of trying to keep the, uh, yeah. you know, from train wrecking. And it's, it's you know? like almost like laziness on their part because they have the skill to do it. They just, they just don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they don't like, work on it. Yeah. Yeah. It drives me nuts. I, we, we, I was in a yeah. band with a drummer like that for a long time and I would go to his house outside of, normal rehearsals and work with him and say no no that's not where it is that's not where the fill is listen to it again and we'd play it because it was another drummer that recorded it i'd say listen listen for when it comes in and i'd be playing my guitar right along with the track right here so then we'd be playing live even when we were just jamming and and like trying to get the songs down i'd have to turn to him and go ready go like like so he would know and i'm like fuck why am i doing this you know what i mean it feels so stupid that you're i'm, I'm not two musicians you know what i mean yeah. I'm, I'm the what are we doing yeah i yeah. always i always laugh at drummers it's like i understand that they have to haul the stuff but like a drummer to me has always been like that guy that you work with that you know that's constantly quitting his job he's just like <laughs> you know and for stupid reasons too it's like yeah. why'd you quit this time well i didn't like the way the guy looked at me, you know because unfortunately a drummer can get a job anywhere with any band so like yeah. they're the quickest to be like what so you're always like straddling the line of being like dude can you learn this stuff and kind of being like oh that's cool man do whatever you want to do because i know you're gonna quit the minute that i uh you they, know i'm too hard on you right they seem so to be like, the most temperamental you know of, of all the people to be in a band with it's always the drummer and when you find a good one sometimes you tolerate it because you want that guy to oh stick God. around but it just drives oh you fucking God. mental you know yeah and Mike is one of the, like, uh, and my last two drummers that, like, and Brandy that played the Dirty Pioneers for, for 10 years, yeah. he was, like, uh, one of the most reliable drummers. Yeah. Like, just one of those, like, guys that you just were, like, so is important. this guy, is this guy real? Like, he would be, <laughs> he'd be the first one at the gig. Yeah. You know what I mean? He'd, Too good to be true. Complained. Never, you always <laughs> were waiting for him to drop the pipe. He eventually did quit, but it was, like, 10 years later, and he yeah. was just, like, I think I'm done playing music. Um, but Mike is the same way. Mike is the kind of guy that will roll in with his like full setup and yeah. he's like totally, you know, he's always tuning stuff and he's, he's oh, really yeah. into he's definitely that. a professional. He loves, he's a professional. Yeah, he loves, man. loves playing drums, man. And mm-hmm. he's just, uh, it shows. And so, the, yeah. And which is awesome. Like that's what everybody wants yeah. to have. Right. Oh, I, totally. I think that playing music at in your forties, like I am, it's just like, if you don't have a group of people that are on the same page as you, then it's really difficult. And once you find people that are, you know, that love it as much as you, even at an older age, yeah. those are the people you tend to always keep playing with for the rest of your life. Oh, right? absolutely, like, man. Absolutely. Like you'd always want to, you always want to play with them because it's, it's something they love to do too. And yeah, you share you know? the same passion and, and it's so important to be in a band with bandmates that want to be doing it, you know, like, Oh yeah. Like even some of the drummers we've, we've played with in the past, it's always the band I'm in or sort of in, we not really have, we don't really play too many shows these days, but when we were, 
plan some shows here and there, you know, even if it was just two or three times a year, the hardest thing was always scheduling everybody. You know what I mean? And it, yeah. and it takes work. Oh, yeah. The whole band has to be willing to work around yeah. the schedule yeah. of the gigging, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can't have, like, it's hard to find musicians, at, like I said, at this age that aren't, like, treat it like a summer or a winter sport. Like, I also yeah. played with lots of people that were great in the wintertime. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because in summertime, they like to do, they, they go up north and they yep. do all this yep. other things. And they'll be like, oh, they'd be like, hey, you want to play, you know, what, in June? Yeah. <laughs> they, got better stuff to, in they got June? better stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> I got better stuff to do. Hey, right? we, you got to find the people that love it. We were talking about Malakota there and how you how you did the solos on yeah on the uh, on the record there. So yeah. obviously, and you teach guitar, so obviously you know some theory. Like how much? Yeah. How much? How deep are you into theory? Because I know you like you started <clears throat> guitar kind of late. You, like you were in college basically when you started. I was in college. So yeah. How quickly and did you me, pick up that that theory? Well, I told I, this is the story that I tell all my students that are playing guitar, especially guys that are starting at older, is that when I first started playing guitar the guitar it was the show like so what do i need to accomplish to con to do the show and if, if remember we like punk music so going to see a punk band like a fat records band or something like that was all about the show right yeah that your favorite bands were the guys that like like sfu or something like that that like you know they were constantly jumping around yeah. and, and all that so for me it was more about rhythm and uh and how much can I add to it and still do the show? Mm -hmm. You know, like that was more important to me. I'd be amped up when I'd go play like, like any of my first bands, like the first show, tour I did with grade was like, you know, I was preparing for it playing, but I was more like, okay, then I'm going to, you know, like mm -hmm. this will be a great part to like lose my mind or, you know, and I'd always be like, you know, if people were taking pictures at the end of the show or something like that, I always get people sending me photos, be like, dude, look at this, or mm. catching me and like, you know, yeah. jumping off the riser. You, you understand. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen it a bunch. <laughs> but as you get, as I got past, like not past that point, but started having to try to figure out different ways to play with people. The first thing that I realized was that I need to figure out how to play with people and not be prepared. So this started this whole journey was that I think that in life, you want to do things that you don't have to prepare for. If you played hockey, right, and you had to call me the night before the game and ask me, which way are we going to turn when mm. we get out on the ice? But this, you'd, you wouldn't, your interest level and in it wouldn't be as deep in it. You want to just show up somewhere and just play. So that right. started this whole thing. So I created this theory that I call it working man's guitar mm -hmm. and that's what I teach so when I was teaching at this one school in um in Oakville uh one of the other guitar teachers there was this guy named Mike Rovanelli mm -hmm. Mike Rovanelli ended up playing in a band with uh, Jordan from Lexus on Fire uh they're called Say Yes I believe okay um they were assigned to Dine Alone Records and all that stuff oh, wow. he's a, gr a phenomenal guitar player okay I think he I think he ended up playing bass in that that band with Jordan. Oh, okay. Uh, but I got along really well with him. He was a young, 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 way younger than me. But he was a he was a wild child, right? Like <laughs> drinking and everything else. Like you know what I mean. So I guess yeah. I kind of seen like a kid that I was like, oh my god, I'm like, this kid's exactly like me. Yeah. Um, there'd be a couple times where he'd show up to work and he'd be like, I don't know what he was on, and I'd have to pull him out of his lesson, like. <laughs> I was watching him through his window and he's like teaching a kid, but he's like kind of like 
oh clumping. My yeah, and like get him out of the room. And like, so yeah. he was great, man. Yeah. But he was such a good guitar player, fully trained, mm. went to school, you know, everything like that. And so I would pick his brain all the time on stuff. So like I had this guy that was right next door to me and I'd be like, hey, if I was here, you know, how do I do here? And he was also one of those guys that always be like, man, does it sound good to you? And I'd be like, yeah. And he'd be like, then it is good, bro. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> in all seriousness, he would also show me like these ways to think of things. Once I started to understand like some basic theory, I got obsessed with um, like figuring out the combinations in my head. Like mm -hmm. I used to go to sleep and like, like, like look at the fretboard, like, and I would see mm -hmm. like numbers and shapes and I would see all the things and how I would, how they would form together. So it, I, I started developing what I call like a working man's theory. Mm -hmm. So what do we need to know to be able to jump in and jam with somebody? Like if, if you were to come up and say, like, Hey man, check this out. How do I just start jamming with you right away? Mm -hmm. And as you get older, that's kind of where you want to be if yeah. you're still going to continue to play. Like, I want to be able to go fill in for some people and just be like, here's the set. And I've done it several times where I don't know any, I don't know what's going on. That's right. Wild. And, uh, or like, I'll play with like a duo sometimes and like they'll say to me, you know, like I played with this girl, Lauren, for a little bit, uh, doing acoustic charts. She was mm -hmm. classic. I just kind of like, she'd sing her verse and then, She'd be like, yeah, you know, let's do this three more times. And she would just look at me and be like, take a solo. And you'd just be like, uh, you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. so you have to kind of understand what's your key center. Yeah. You know, are we, what, what, what majors and minors? And after that, so as far as theory goes, am I going to sit down with you and have this talk about, you know, Mixolydian mm. and, 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 you know, what the, the, the modes and mm. that is to a certain extent, but it's mainly based on key centers and 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 majors and minors and and how you can dance around the fretboard using these cut this kind of like and it's again it's not an, i'm i didn't invent this it's just mm. the way that i process i process it it sounds like a good that's that's though. kind of what it is. yeah it's um it's 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 a lot within shapes yeah, and yeah, um yeah. And, and 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 uh taking like, small groups of notes yeah and clustering them up like mostly pentatonic kind of shapes then or like yeah, pentatonic, yeah. and then and then um, having the idea that if you have a chord, like mm -hmm. a G chord or mm -hmm, something like mm -hmm. that, you're going to have an arpeggio based off it, sure. or a triad, which is three notes that are made up in that chord. Sure. And each one of those three notes, I, they, people call them different things, but I call them like, you know, like they're the coat hanger. So if this is your the note, you've, you've got a coat hanger here and here beside it. Mm. So once you've developed where those arpeggios are on the neck, you have the coat hangers beside them. So... You're always basing it on those three notes, but dancing around those three notes mm -hmm. with the side bars. Once you start to learn that, then you can see how they kind of teeter off and go in different directions. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, yeah, so you you can, but my advice on anybody that wants to start to learn that stuff is to take small clusters and then abuse it until, yeah. like, you're sick of it. And that's what, you know? that's what killed me with theory, man. That's why I never really learned theory the proper way. Like, I know, like, I'm okay with some pentatonic stuff and, and keys, and yeah. you know, but I'm not, like, a, and I took a lot of lessons from a really good teacher here in town, Andrew, Andrew yeah. Brito, who is ama an amazing guitar teacher, and he just filled my head with so much information, great information, but I just could not retain this stuff, man. And I didn't yeah. at a young age, so I, I didn't retain any of it. So it's amazing to me that you were able to start in, in, in college, basically 
from not playing guitar at all to go. Well, it, it was it really it would have been in my like it would have been in my late twenties. Like, oh, wow. I, yeah, I didn't like yeah going through grade and all my trim bands and stuff like that. I, I had no idea what I was doing. Right. I I would uh, I would uh, learn the set. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's wild, man. <laughs> yeah, and it, because guitar was fun to me, but it was like it was part of the the gig. Like yeah. it was like half the gig was guitar, the other half was yeah being a rock rock star. Right. Oh, sure. That's what that's, we all do when we play shows. I think it's half the half yeah the fun is just it, being there, and huh? that's what you should do. And I and I and I I, I feel that I then accidentally went down. Uh, a few years back, I went down a rabbit hole of kind of forgetting that and mm. being like, okay, I started to get into this weird habit of trying to like yeah. mimic people. Like, so if I'm going to play this song, I'm going to, I'm going to mimic that person. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago again, where I was just like, no, this is way better when mm-hmm. I approach it as me. Mm-hmm. How would I, how would I do it rather right. than, right. And you and that that opens up a whole can of worms with Instagram guitar players and having this access is that you 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 always have someone to compare yourself against. Yeah, yeah. And that's a bad thing. It, it is. Yeah, it is. Like because I love, only seeing I love the good them. stuff. You're only seeing you're only seeing the one take out of the hundred that they did that Dude, worked out. You know. It's funny, man. Like, I do like I, I like the whole like community of guitar players. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the fact that like we can all do this stuff. Sure. But I'll tell you. If you can't do that stuff on the fly, yeah. then you're like, for what I do, yeah. I'd be in trouble. Yeah. So if you see me do something on Instagram or whatever like that, yeah, like I probably took like six takes to do it. But in my back of my head, I'm like, if I'm going to actually use that, I better know how to do it like without the takes. Yeah. Right. Because I'm, if I, or don't attempt it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, could, I could go, I've been teaching guitar for so long that I could really go on tangents about it. But one of the big things that I try and tell everybody is that it's called the, the line straddle, right? It's like, here's the peak of your abilities, right? Mm-hmm. Always play here. Yeah. Always play just slightly under it. Yeah, right. So here's your peak. Always sit here. So constantly be striving sure. to keep sure. going like this. But don't move to the very tip end of your abilities because that's when people, I've seen it. I've seen it a million times, man. I've gone, I could go and play in a, a wedding. Yeah. And I can do the solo to uh, you shook me all night long. Right. And I can do that big band. And yeah. like, there's eight people in the front row, like, <sighs> or you could watch a guy going, <laughs> does a yeah. couple speaks yeah. and everybody's kind of in the back going, Ugh. yeah, exactly. Like, kind of giving, like they don't have to be guitar players. Right. Right. So, yeah. So the pride, so that's where a lot of my theory comes into that is that, okay, yes, we can do this. Yeah. We can sit there. And, and sometimes if I'm tracking a solo for somebody, I will do just that. Like, I'll be like, okay, I got to push this to this. Right. But I have the ability to comp. Sure, sure. I've got eight takes and I'm kind of comping stuff. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. a lot of times I'll comp the solo and then be like, okay, that sounds wicked, but my comping isn't good. Now I'll learn it. Like, right. now I'll learn how to go through that transition and tighten it up, a but bit. still probably yeah. do it in a couple sections, right? Oh, sure, sure. But sure. so that's not actually playing to your natural, like, ability on the fly that's right. playing to your peak ability but not really you're not really this good of a guitar player right right you're this good of a guitar player yeah but so you got it so you got to you got to pick and choose your battles oh of course of course yeah um, and, th- and that's why i was asking about the theory because i remember again i'm not a big theory guy myself but i <laughs> i saw you guys play i think it was in burlington 
Tiller was still playing with you guys at the time. And I remember you broke a string or something right in the middle of the song. And then you're like, Tiller, play this part. Like I heard you yell it to him. <laughs> and he yeah. played the part. But then you picked back up in, but we're playing on different strings. And then as soon as the song was over, right. you're like, whoo, I had to put some theory into that one. And I was like, man, did he yeah. re- literally mean he had to figure yeah, it out on the fly? fly? Like, Because I could never do that. If, again, I, if I did that, I'd be screwed, you know? Yeah. And again, for that stuff, it would be just literally like in my head, like as I'm going, being like, okay, uh, I got to avoid this. It right. worked. Can, can I play the octave? Or yeah, yeah. Can I go higher or can I go lower? It wouldn't have been like super technical. Like, no. Yeah, but it was still. Figure out how to do this in a different it was mode. Im- it's impressive nonetheless <laughs> because, it, like I said, if it was me, I think I'd probably find a way to muddle through it, but it wouldn't be in the. Yeah. <laughs> and don't good. forget that the, the real skill there is you have to do that but after like five beers, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, especially when you're playing a show with your buds and it's just for fun and you know what I mean. You mentioned yeah, you uh, learn how to do drink. You mentioned that guy uh, in your studio that uh, was was you said similar to you. He was kind of a bit of a wild man. This yeah, this um, this nickname that you have, the Spaz Man. Spaz is, yeah. is that where that comes from? Just from you being kind of like a wild uh, kid. Or? It's actually not a. It's it's a really not a not a cool story at all. I. Uh, <laughs> I moved to, uh, I went to high school in, uh, in Forest, Ontario, and I moved there and there, I had long, I had hair down to, you know, almost my butt. Yeah. And, uh, there was a guy there that like was in grade 12, 12 or 13 when I joined grade nine that had the same hair, looked exactly. Oh. And his name was Spaz. <laughs> so I walked in and it was like one of those classic, awesome, like hills where you just can't take anymore. Yeah. So these like 12 grade 12s. I'd walk by and they'd be like, hey, spaz, man, spaz. And I'd just be like head down, moving. <laughs> this would go on, go on, and go on, and go on. And these guys were like the metal guys. Like, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. Like, to me, it was confusing. But <laughs> one day I couldn't take anymore. You know, you just set your, your limit. And yeah. I'm walking by the lockers and the guy goes, hey, spaz. So I stopped and I said, why do you call me that? And the guy, I'm never forgetting, he was just like, because oh, you look like our friend spaz. <laughs> I was like, and I literally was like, oh, okay. But it was like, it was funny. He just loved me. And he goes, oh, our buddy's name's Spaz, and you look identical to him. And then it just kind of stuck. They, they called me like, they called me the mini Spaz man. <laughs> so um, when I joined the high school hockey team, uh, yeah. um, you know, you get the jacket back then. So instead yeah, yeah. of my name, Brad, I, I had Spaz. Oh, nice. nice. That's funny. And then. And then, of course, that disappeared for a little bit until I talked to old friends from that day that still call me Spaz Man. Yeah. And then Ken Abbott picks up on it, of course, because yeah. he's he'll pick up on anything and pick at you forever. <laughs> so he started calling me the Spaz Man. And then the Spaz Man just kind of kept going with everything. So it's like kind of a funny, like nobody actually calls me that seriously. But yeah, yeah, it's like course. if you if you know me, yeah. then you you know it's okay. To, like my wife will call me it. If you know me. Yeah. Then it's like you call me the Spaz Man, you know. <laughs> I, I don't. It's uh, it's. Well, funny. I heard Mike spaz call man. you Spaz Man a, a few times. Spaz and Man, I, and I always wonder. Yeah. I'm like Spaz Man. I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? It had to have been because he was like crazy as a kid. That's that's what I always pictured in my head. Well, then when I blow up, like the, my kids will tell you that. Like when I I have the Italian, like you mm. know the 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 short fuse. Yeah, yeah. Then it, it's like, oh, it's the Spaz Man. And then it comes back and I'm like, but it's like, so like, like the nickname fits, but I'm like, that's not why they call me the spaz man. But it's like, it's one of those things you're lost. It's like the worst, you know, but we're, uh, we're coming up in about 10 minutes to the two hour mark. So I I want a couple more things just to run by you real quick before I let you go here. Um, Perfect. 
what what are you listening to these days? What's uh, <coughs> what's sort of on your on your turntable or in your CD player? What 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 do you got on the go? I uh, listen to the same music. I try and be the guy that like finds a new band. Mm-hmm. I find a hard time. Me too. Only, and it's not because of anything. Like I'm not knocking new music. No, um, no, no. But the reverse of that too is I have um yeah I'm looking at my I have like over a thousand CDs and records mm-hmm. beside me here. I will sometimes take a record like I will be like oh I love this record mm. when you know I was touring with Grade yeah yeah and then I'll listen to it and I'll get about two songs in and I'll literally like I'll be like hey yeah. dumpster yeah and I'll be like how did I even listen to that back then. So the enduring music for me, like, like keeps on. And I think that's why I consistently keep going back to it. Like I buy every Metallica mm. reissue. I buy every, I have a massive Iron Maiden collection over here where I, uh, I've been collecting Iron Maiden stuff my, uh, my whole life. So oh, that's I, awesome. That's up. I, I still buy that. And then, so mm-hmm. if I buy the reissue of, of this or a picture disc of this version that I end up listening to it eight times, mm-hmm. though I've heard it a thousand oh, times oh, before. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Having said that, um, there is some really good music that's out there. Oh, and I, sure. I just, I'm so, I really need to like feel what's happening with it. And it has to sit with me. Um, yeah. There's a band. I, gotta sh- I, I will tell you this, because I'd like to hear your opinion on it. I push this band. I can't find it. Hold on. I push this band um, to everybody. Hmm. Uh, this is a band that was from Virginia. And they had like a, and a minutia of hype when they first came out. And then they just disappeared. Mm. And uh, I was actually on the, uh, I just got my Apple music back on one of my phones. So mm. I, I, all my stuff came up and I was listening to it. And I was like, this band to me could have been the, the greatest band. Like, again, I, I like stuff that's not popular. So yeah. when I say they could have been the greatest band, well, they, they probably wouldn't yep. have made any money. Yep. Yep. But, um, I, I ch- it's called Course Air, C O R S A I R. Yeah, Course Air. Mm-hmm. And the album is called One Eyed Horse. And um, if you have Spotify or Apple Music yeah. or something like that, pull it up and I want you to give it a couple of spins. To me, they are Thin Lizzy, Uriah Heap, and all that if they were like strictly to. Finn Lizzy, I like Finn Lizzy because they did like different stuff, rock, yeah, like weird ballads, all that. Yeah, but yeah. Finn Lizzy was the archetypal deep Finn Lizzy. Mm. This would be the record they would have made. It is so damn good. It is so. I was listening to it the other day. I was like, is this really this good or is it just me? I was like, no, this is one of the best records I've ever heard. I, it came out in like 2015, oh, okay. but I actually so liked it so much. Yeah. I actually liked it so much. I bought. I, I'm just. I'm looking on my records. I bought a hard copy of it because it was one of those things. Was like, yeah. Someone said, check. I like check this out. It was like a Bandcamp thing, and then yeah. I got it on Spot, Apple Music or whatever like that. But then I literally was like, I rarely. I should do this more often, but I don't. But I was like, this is the, one of my favorite. I'm gonna like go and yeah, get the hard get copy. Them to send yeah. me, send me the record. And, yeah, um, yeah. It's called One Eyed Horse. It's just one of the one of my. I think that's. I always bring that record when I do stuff with Dave and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, this is what I'd like to make. This music yeah. is what I'd like to make for the rest of my, it's guitar heavy. It's, but it's not like guitar. I find that modern music with guitar is like, it's too tech techie. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like I love it's techie too showy. music, it's but like, it's it's too yeah. It's like they don't they're they they don't the bricks aren't lining up to yeah, me. Yeah, like, I know exactly you know what, what I mean. mean. It doesn't have that feel. It has the technical ability, but it doesn't have the soul. It's missing that. Piece. Right. Yeah. It's missing that yeah, the the real soul where you yep. can really like it could be simple and then. Um, so I really like them. Um, I'm hmm. not going to lie. If you're going to ask me, uh, uh, like some of the people when they do these interviews will say, well, what kind of new punk, you know, no. cause it's like, you know, I love punk, but I like, but I did like, um, now this band is hmm. terrible. I hmm. will tell you that right now. Okay. They're like one of those bands that you, I, I watched live and then I, and then, I, and that I was like, this is a bad band is the story so far. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know them? Yeah. I know. I, I don't know of them. I know. I don't like. They're not okay, they have a self-titled bubble. album. Yeah, it's called the, I know they got popular with like their first stuff, which yeah. is like you know that new kind of pop punk mm-hmm. where the where they do those the kids you watch them they do the stupid dance where they yeah, don't really yeah. move. Right. Um. But they have a self-titled album and it's so good. Yeah. And then their newest one is um. Uh, something about a pill or something like that. Or anyways, yeah. stories so far, but they, the self-titled album is so good. Yeah. It's like you can listen to the whole thing. And it is so good. good the whole way through. I like those albums. Yeah. And the vocals are so good. And then you actually see them. And then you're, and I've, so I've watched some live videos where I was like, well, this, this is why, bad. this is why I asked because I have a hard time finding new music. So I ask everyone yeah. I talk to, even like in my personal life, what are you listening to right now? Because it's not just to find, like you said, you know, another, you know, other shows might ask, hey, what kind of punk are you into right now? Or what kind of new punk bands have you listened to? I like just like, you know, what bands people are listening to because. I, I'm a kind of, if you looked at my, my phone and looked at the music that's in there, you'd think I was schizophrenic. Like, it's all over the place, right? But right, yeah. I like to find new bands, even if it's different genres I'm not really used to. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really into this guy, yeah. Marcus King, right now, who is like this weird blend of jazz and blues and rock. Like, he's wild. You should look yeah, him up, Marcus too. Yeah, Marcus King, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's I think amazing. I've seen him, yeah. Amazing. But yeah. that's why I ask, because you find these things, you're not going to find them. Like, no, there's no algorithm that will find that for you. You know what I mean? No. Like I came across him because oh, from a podcast, actually I listened to a podcast and the guy was talking about Marcus King and then had him on his podcast, Dean Del Rey, who's a comedian out of the States. But, um, and now he's one of my favorites, you know what I mean? And so I asked, and who knows this Corsair might end up being one of my favorites well, too. And I would never uh, have heard of them unless I asked you that. For sure. And, but here's the, here's the main problem. And I, 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 I do a lot of, uh, we, I do a lot of discussions about yeah. this for the music industry because uh, the guy that the music school that I worked through, Ross was like, he managed triumph and uh, his oh, record wow. label did uh, the Ganarvas. He, he was the guy oh. that put out all the Ganarvas oh, records cool. and stuff like that. So yeah, he's a, he's a pretty big, uh, uh, he did like a Kim Mitchell records. And, but so we're always talking about the music industry. We always have these talks, but my big issue with Spotify and Apple music and the way that we consume music now is that if you bought a record, um, so like we buy the Summer Hollow record or whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a sense of investment into it. So if you if you plunk down fifteen bucks for a record and the, on first listen you're like, I don't hear anything, I'm just gonna spin it again. Now let's say I get ten spins through it, I go, this sucks. Okay, you've made the decision, you've given it the time. What ends up happening for me is maybe the third spin through, I hear something, oh, that's, I love that part. Mm. And then that involves the other one. And if we look back at our old favorite records, like all, all the, all my favorite records, I probably did that with those records. You spin it once mm-hmm. and you go, oh, I like that one track. That one's weird. Mm. But then the weird song becomes your favorite song that's after right. the fourth spin. Yeah. Yeah. But with Spotify and Apple music, we don't, 
do that. Yeah. You could, you, well, it's the skip, right? It's yeah, like, exactly. oh, my, my, my brother sends me music all, like all the time. I'd be like, check out this band. And I do the same to him. And he, we're honest with each other. He's like, yeah, I, I skipped through yeah, it. I was like, thing. I'm not know. into it. Mm-hmm. But maybe it would have been had you have purchased it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you would have given more of a I shot. I that all the time. Yeah. I, I used to have, you know, you'd have the budget to spend on music before yeah. all this happened. And yeah. if you bought it and it was a dudder, you'd kind of keep going with it. Yeah. And then you'd, and then you'd, but we don't allow ourselves to make that decision anymore because it's just so much of it is being thrown at you. So much. And it's kind yeah. of all throwaway, right? Like, yeah. it's a just lot of like, it, yeah. You know, and someone, and then someone told me, uh, uh, sorry, someone told me a band called Sabaton. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just talking to somebody and they said, oh, you like it? It's like Maiden. But then I listened to that, like three or four songs of that too. And I was just like, I liked it, but it wasn't like, I, I couldn't, you know, I, I, if I had the record, I'd pick, be spinning it, but I gave it one listen through mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, cool. Like yeah. that experience is over. Yep. Yep. So I don't know. No, it's I, very hard. It, there's no algorithm in the world that will substitute, you know, people that know you, people that are like your friends that can suggest things, you know what I mean? And it doesn't always work out. Sometimes, like you said, like a friend will send you something and it's not good. And, and you're just like, yep. well, it's not my thing. But every once in a while, That's somebody right. sends you something, and you're like, "Holy fuck!" Like I like this band, Blackberry Smoke. I talk about them a lot on the show too. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're great amazing. Yeah. And I would have never yeah. known about them. I walked into a party, my friend's birthday party, two December's ago or three December's ago, and he says to me, uh, uh, "Somebody at the party, we were just putting songs on YouTube, and uh, one of the guys right. says, uh, hey, put on this. Uh, you like sort of like rock country?'" I said, "Yeah, kind of. Like country has to be just the right thing." He says, "Well, these guys are not really country. They're not really rock. They're sort of in between." So I put on one of these songs, and I like became one of, my, yeah. one of my favorite bands instantly and it, it's so yeah. different than anything i've ever listened to i've always loved the southern right. southern rock but only southern like rock so, yeah, some sure, songs here and there i've never yeah. found a band like a lot of people like skinnered right but i like yeah i like like yeah. three skinnered songs you know what i mean yeah but i I'm like saying. every blackberry smoke song <laughs> oh. every single one it's it's fucking insane. i have heard them yeah i'll, I'll put that on my they're great my man. honestly they have some amazing tunes but um all right one last thing because we're getting real short on time here but yep what I know this is a bit up in the air, but what's the future for Somehow Hollow here? You got anything cooking right now, or are you guys sort of waiting till the pandemic st- comes back around till we can start? Yeah, we did. Um, okay, we did. Uh, like so, when when right before the pandemic happened, there was going to be a couple uh, like uh, uh, there was a strung out show and a um, yeah and a good riddance show yeah um, which is you know that that could all come back, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh, there were sure some pretty will, cool yeah. things in the pipeline that we're, we were going to do. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, as far as new music goes, Mike went to uh, Mexico and then he left me his bass. Oh, nice. So I got his bass oh, here. Oh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> oh, no, that's the jazz bass. That's the jazz bass. I thought that was the, no, this uh, is, the Ernie this ball. This is the precision. Yeah, this oh, one a P is bass. Sorry, yeah, yeah, P bass, yeah. But he was like, he was trying to store all his equipment. And so he just says, do you want to take uh my bass so i was like oh mm-hmm. i'd love to have your bass because i'd love to like actually keep tracking and yeah yeah and yeah, do yeah, stuff yeah myself so i i did do a bunch of um i did do a bunch of uh tracks with dave oh um cool. we did a yeah we were doing uh we did a we did five tunes i think and uh the idea was is that i think just like we did uh uh two psychedelic furs tunes and then we did two police songs oh nice um, and then we were like, oh, should we just do this as a somehow hollow release as a fun thing? But then Mike was in there. I, yeah. You know, Dave played bass and right, it right, was going right. to be Mike. And Mike was, I was like, you want, should I put this out as a somehow hollow thing? And Mike was like, yeah, I don't care. But then I was like, oh, maybe we'll just do it as like a Dave Brad kind of project. So we, sure. I, we got a bunch of stuff that we've been recording and we just, we just bank it. Like, 
Mm. You know, I, I got, I, I get really obsessed when I hear like a song, like I'm like, I heard a psychedelic first song, like, uh, and I just got like super amped on yeah, it. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, people need to hear this. <laughs> you know? and, <laughs> and you're the right guy uh, to do that because you guys are, are incredible musicians and you can, you can do that. But if I did a, a psychedelic first cover, I could tell you right now, it's not going to end up like <laughs> your, your cover. That's for sure. <laughs> I, 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 and so I was doing, I saw it. Yeah. I, I, but yeah, it just, again, fun, but yeah, uh, you'll be interested in these because there's four tunes that we did in this session. I, I'm, I'll, I'll put them out at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they're completely analog. So the idea behind this was I, I, I approached Dave and I was like, "Hey, man, I want to do like a full blown like microphone only recording." And yeah. he was just like, "Let's do it." So we uh, we mic the entire drum set. Nice. Uh, I have a Marshall uh, DSL. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so we mic'd up the DSL. Yeah. Um, and um, that's I could go on for gear forever. We put a we got a bass amp, we got an amp peg, we mic'd the bass cabinet. Nice, I love it. So the whole recording is analog. We didn't use any plugins. Well, just like Pro Tools, we had yeah, a, yeah, of course. How can you not use yeah, Pro Tools? Of course, but of uh, the whole thing, these four songs are all analog. I love it. That's awesome. Um, I actually I got a Les Paul Junior too. I don't know. Yeah. you see my Junior. No, I've not um, seen your Junior. Oh, I have seen your Junior. I've seen it on your yeah, screen. It's, yeah, it's it's uh. It's your a profile picture too. is you with the junior, I think. Yeah, and yeah. I, I hacked it. I, I did what everybody hates when you did a junior. What do you mean? I got a junior and I played it, and I was like, I love this guitar, but oh, yeah. uh, I took uh, I took a Dremel to it, and I uh, I ripped the P90 out, and I Dremeled in a JB. No, you didn't. <laughs> Come on, you took the P90 out of a junior. That's the whole magic of the junior. I know. That's what everybody says. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, but I, you know what? I, I turned that guitar into one of the greatest sounding Les Pauls you've ever heard. They the are problem great, with it is it doesn't stay it doesn't stay in tune very well. Like uh, I'm yeah. sorry, it stays in tune, but it's it's the intonation is wonky. yeah because of that wonky bridge that they have that weird bridge where it's not really yeah it, you know it's not I mean? and this one is not even compensated at all it's yeah a wrap tail yeah, so yeah, it just yeah. like goes over but you can but change it, it that sounds you can change you that. can there's there's I was looking into companies that had like different yeah. things but it's just such a a great guitar and then I then I got my stand my Les Paul standard so I've been yeah. tracking more with that lately but because yeah. uh, it stays in tune yeah not stays in tune it's intonated intonated well it sounds like um, a guitar that's in tune yeah so I use the junior for all these sessions so you're gonna so you're gonna hear like the and the P90 was all on the P90 ones yeah. that's before yeah. I before I hacked it so it's it's really bright and uh just very slightly dis- out of tune. Very distinct <laughs> sound. Well, and sometimes that's the allure of some songs. Sometimes they just have that well, thing, and you can't really tell what it is, right? We didn't even fix it. We didn't fix any of the tracks. So yeah. the tracks are one takes, mm-hmm. and then we did solos on all the songs, and they're all one. They're all uh, like past the guitar around, like yeah. the old yeah. Eagles kind of style, yeah. where we just do it. So that was a lot of fun to do. Yeah, I bet. Um, I, so that so that's all I've been doing, and I've been just been doing some old music, and I've been doing uh guitar parts for other people i've just been recording with uh guitar for other mm-hmm. uh artists and stuff so that or is it safe to say you guys will be for sure playing some more shows come once this breaks like you guys aren't sort of stopping you're just taking a, no, obviously a hiatus because nobody no, can play if shows. we can yeah no we're gonna we fully plan on playing some more shows Good. once it yeah. all goes open yeah because i had a lot of fun at those those two that i saw last january you know right before oh it's fun yeah, yeah. oh and yeah i'd like to even get me more casual with them and yeah. just kind of like you know do some more like different material or try and write mm-hmm. some new stuff mm-hmm. or whatever 
cover oh. some more obscure bands. And or... what about Nina? There's two songs you guys never released officially. Right. Nina and Monuments. And I really Monuments. I really want to hear those things recorded properly and released. Yeah, there's a third song there, I believe. Heirs to the Throne or something? Uh, good night, one? goodbye, oh, okay. or something. Good night, know. goodbye. Anyways, uh, here's another crazy story. I'll just last one. There yep. is actually two songs from Busted Wings that never got released that were recorded and mixed, and we can't. Uh, we're trying to find. We're trying to locate them right now. Oh, They're wow. part of the original sessions, and then they, uh, when we sent the master tapes for that in, they were included in the master tapes, and then we dropped those two songs off the album. Oh. I want to hear them so yeah, bad now. But the, and, and yeah, there's two <laughs> tracks, and they're fully recorded and mixed. And yeah. for the life of, and and in fact, one I could tell you, one of the songs was my, like it was my maybe the one of the ones I liked the most out of all of them, and it got dropped in the wow. thing. So that's out there somewhere too. But we me and Mike talked about that. Maybe like just quickly re redoing that that or something or putting that out oh, or man, something. Or trying find to find those, those yeah if you find those i know i, I want to hear i them. keep digging through my stuff trying to find them i found a demo of like three of the songs on the yeah. other day but a lot of stuff's been lost and you know yeah. hard drives and just over the years computers right yep 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 well listen Brad, i thank you again so much for being here man like we, we're we're yeah, two man, hours now I try to cut these off at two hours because I. That's <laughs> perfect. Like yeah. People, I know. People I don't want to listen more than two hours. But. I agree, hundred percent. But yeah, um, man, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it was fun, and I and I want to do it again. You know, like and hopefully yeah, it's not another sure. three years before we get back together and do something like this. And maybe the next time it can be in person. You know, knock on wood. If That'd we be get great. This, this virus shit. That'd but, be awesome, man. But uh, stick around. Don't hang up just yet. Um, okay. Everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I Got Asked podcast. Um, if you liked what you heard, obviously I say this every episode, uh, subscribe, uh, share it around as, as best you can, any way that you can. It's available across all streaming platforms. If you're listening to this, you're likely listening to it through a streaming platform. So I'm not going to tell you where it's available. It's available all the major stuff that you, where you would find it. Um, and, uh, do me a favor and make sure you tell all your friends to, uh, to tune in as well. Um, that really helps subscribe if you can to, uh, in any way that you can. Um, and we'll look forward to doing more of these very soon. So, Thank you, everybody, for being with us again, and we'll talk to you soon.